0: Going. check 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 one oh. two one two coming in hot yeah all right yeah, <laughs> that's what i do
1: get all there level get a level there
2: <laughs>
0: all
1: righty <sighs> all right there we are uh let's see here
2: changing us now
1: yeah changing up a little bit there okay
2: i wish there were pictures on this <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah there's no full color uh or insert even, or even the black and white yeah just the, just nice. something on the back featuring 12 full color photos like that's always like the little corner on the side of these things. <laughs> Ooh. Um here we are. It's so, been a late night.
2: Yeah. Once again. Yeah,
1: we we um it's a very extra ex- late. It's exciting cuz my mom has let two people sleep over tonight, <laughs> which is really good because that hasn't happened in a long time Since after February. February. Not after the last one, huh? Not after the last one. No, no. We we just destroyed yeah, it everything. Gonna end. Yeah, so then my you know my parents like, you know, I've been asking every weekend since, but... I've been good. Yeah, no. been good.
2: doing my chores. Go away.
1: Go away. Go away. <laughs> but now they, they let a second person sleep over, so we have with us none other, none other than Mr. Mighty, Mighty Mike Vanderbilt.
2: The only other person that I've ever co-hosted a podcast with. Oh, thank you very much for having and me. And someday
0: maybe 21 oh. Pod Street. <laughs> I would really like to bring it back. <laughs> we'll I really come like back. To bring it back. I don't <laughs> know how you kept up with that schedule between this one, Scored to Death, everything else you do and 21 well, Pod Street. Well, that was
2: the worry was when we started doing 21 Pod Street, I was like, I'm not going to be able to do Scored to Death if
0: we keep doing this.
2: It's crazy. Cuz yeah. I was planning Scored to Death, but then between Saturday night movie
0: sleepovers and 21 Pod Street. Well, 21 Pod Street is evergreen. We will yeah, we, yeah, yeah. Old, we, old we it's, should it's break. There. We should break one out every. Year. I'm still paying to host it. Like, we <laughs> 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 yeah, I'm not right. gonna let it go. So like still still there yeah.
1: once a month. Throw one up for all the people, for all the ladies in the match. It is a great show. So let's do like, like, it like quarterly.
0: I like that. New quarterly, and we'll be done. You're going to be 80 before you get that done. (laughs) Oh, but it's awesome. Six (laughs) seasons? It'll give me a a reason to live. I'll tell you, it'll be a long... uh, uh, That
1: episode
2: better be freaking thorough. I think (laughs) it's
1: only five
2: (laughs) seasons, and really the fifth season is... After Depp leaves. And then, and then we got to go to Booker. And then DeLouise leaves. <laughs>
1: if people don't know what we're talking about, there's a show from the late 80s <laughs> called <laughs> 21 Jump Street that, uh, that Johnny Depp got to start on. Dom DeLouise's kid, uh, what's Peter DeLuise. Peter, Peter DeLouise. DeLuise. And there's a bunch of other people on the show. Holly Barry. Everybody.
0: Yeah. Everybody's on that show, right?
1: It, and uh, Blake and um, Mike Vanderbilt started a podcast, 21 Pot Street. And then for, I think there was. Like five episodes, I think. Five glorious episodes. <laughs> yeah. And either, either for a year or a year and a half, Blake Blake had a sponsorship with 21 Jump Street and he was contractually obligated to, <laughs> the to canal, mention them every episode. The Stephen J.
2: Canal. <laughs> yeah. The
1: state. Give me, th- give me a piece of paper so I can throw it over my shoulder. <laughs> yeah. Out of the, uh, and they were replaying it on Cozy or one of those channels like <laughs> Antenna TV and, and Blake was getting Heroes a, and Icons. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, it was yeah. probably Heroes and Icons. Yeah, and Blake was getting a cut. You know, Next, it was like Walker, Texas Ranger and then it was... Uh, you one know. day it'll come back.
0: So but I do want to say thank you for having me on, guys. I've been a tremendous fan of We show just, just took it for granted that you're not usually here. For the pan- <laughs> <laughs> no, I know. <don't>. I just <laughs> want to talk to you. I, <laughs> we me, just rolled right into Let me yeah. talk about how great your show is for a minute because like I have many fond memories of being a, the first episode I listened to was the uh Transformers that's episode. A big, that's a big gateway yeah. episode for and us. And I think it was like a Facebook ad or something that was directly you know which aimed which towards We found me. you yeah. Like yeah. dear
2: Mike. Yeah. And you I might like, like this. I'm gonna
0: listen to these two guys, and I was listening to it on a way home from band practice out in the West Burbs of Chicago, and I and I think the G.I. Joe episode was up. Next, so I said I rolled right into it. Yeah, and we I called it an audible in the middle of the Transformers. <laughs> yeah, like, you know, let's do GI Joe next yeah. week.
1: Blake yeah. likes GI Joe better, and I, I like Transformers. And we're we're t- comparing. trolls. like, you know what? We should just do GI Joe next
0: week. Well, comparing Transformers it to. is a better movie, but GI Joe has the greatest, probably most patriotic opening of all time. Oh it's Jesus! The <laughs> of yeah, yeah, that, that is amazing. There no action movie since 1980 has ever captured. Yeah. That thrill. Chuck Norris <laughs> has come close many he's, times. He's, he's he's almost there. Or John Rambo, but not he's almost there. But n- if if they were on the Statue of Liberty, you know, on jetpacks, then we might have. Yeah, Remo about tried something. to recreate it. it just didn't yeah. have the budget. <laughs> Oh, you guys did an episode on Remo. How many downloads yeah. are there in that? Well, Remo, Remo is one of our lowest. Yeah,
2: <laughs> 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 still has never gotten off the ground. Remo's down there adventure. with the
1: Flash pilot from the 1990 show we did. Yeah, uh, listen to that. One. Yeah. The
2: Adventures of Remo. You're Williams. the ol- you and my mom are the, the only, only <laughs> people that <laughs> listen to that episode. Remo <laughs> Williams, the adventure begins. I yeah. still say very am- very ambitious <laughs> title. <laughs> yeah, didn't go anywhere.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, it might be the last time we had somebody in yellow face too. In like 1985 as well. Oh yeah. 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 It's uh, Joel what's his Joel Joe Gray. His, uh, they couldn't. Ca- they wouldn't have done that nowadays. No. Um, yeah. Well, Mike's been a,
2: a strong supporter.
1: Yeah. Welcome to Saturday Night Movie Sleepovers. I'm Dion Thanks I, it I, I love Jay
0: Blake. And that's Mike Vanderbilt. I love the wood paneling. I love what your mom has done with the basement. It's I great. love your onesie you have here. This is <laughs> <real> <laughs> amazing. Get the feet and everything. I know. Re- <laughs> mask too. Mask. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. It reminds me of. I remember once I went to a sleepover. Actually, I think where we watched uh, Star Trek Four the one and with the whales yeah the one with the whales That's a and good um movie. Yeah. i brought a uh, sleeping bag and i was you know probably about 7 it must've been seven or eight, and there was a, one of my stuffed animals was in the sleeping bag yeah. and i was so embarrassed when i found it cuz i was in this room <laughs> full of you know dudes, dudes yeah. and like i still bring my sp- my stuffed animals with the blakes and i, I remember like just being embarrassed by it, but nobody yeah but nobody, nobody saw it, right yeah, they, saw, t- it, they uh, saw it. They saw it because I was like, "Oh, what's it? The- it's my sister." Shut oh. up. <laughs> <laughs> it was a little dinosaur or something. I need it for companionship. I didn't get too much shit because I, I just remember being so terrified. I was afraid they were going to watch Friday the Thirteenth because they were talking about watch Friday the Thirteenth, and that was before I loved horror movies. And I was like, I was afraid I was going to get too scared. Of course, <laughs> watching it. So that
1: that might be one of the most like iconic things for people sleeping over f- other people's houses is like. Being exposed to movies you probably shouldn't watch either because you wouldn't do it yourself or your family doesn't your parents don't want you to watch it. It
3: was
0: <laughs> mostly like I wouldn't do it myself because my mom always it's like peer pressure. Like, no, okay. <laughs> the rule always was look, mom, I'm going to watch the Exorcist tonight. That's cool, but you ain't sleeping in here, all yeah. right? Like just get that through your head now, and then yeah, I yeah. fall asleep ten minutes into it because the Exorcist. I love that movie, but it's kind of dull for a for yeah. an eight or nine year old. When role. they're setting it all up, yeah. yeah. yeah you don't I remember
2: watching. Uh, Joe Saint Martin comes up on the show occasionally. A yes lot of my does. early uh, sleepover memories are with Joe Saint Martin. He's the one where I broke the window. Yeah, the, <laughs> window <laughs> the starter story. Line up guys, Oh, I know yeah. that story. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we. Wa- I remember we watched uh, Tales from the Dark Side, the movie. Oh, great movie! And I remember like we rented it. Yeah, from Captain Video. Yeah, which Dion has I've been, been to. It, yeah, foreclosed. And then we rented it. In my like my step that my parents watched it while we were upstairs hanging out, and so. When we came down to watch it after they went to bed it was like queued up yeah and then i was like why is it queued up like why is it not rebound all the way there was a red band trailer on that sh- <laughs> 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 and they didn't want to st- i don't remember what movie it was oh for. oh i oh I see your you i
0: guess there was mm. boobs you guys in- can watch from the dark side but not this trailer <laughs> no. <laughs> for this other thing
2: they want to see the boobs in the trailer the so we were around it and we're like oh man my parents are trying to cons- <laughs> trying to sneak one by us <laughs>
1: and they didn't they didn't get you they, no, didn't, you they didn't, didn't fall too for too sharp too sharp for that um so the big thing also is uh it took an awful long time to get Mike over here, so we had to wait because Mike, Mike well, came Mike's all the way p- from Ma- mighty Chicago. <laughs> Mike's yeah. mom had to drive him all the way here. From all the Chicago. way from Chicago. Yeah, <laughs> in the, in the uh, imitation Woody uh, uh, station wagon. <laughs> and, and Mike sat the whole time in the back seat that you flip <laughs> up. The other looks way. out the other way. The <laughs> other way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> he was there the whole time just like, I'm, I'm
0: coming, I'm coming. I'm on my way. I'm on my way. Yeah. By, uh, via walkie-talkie. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You were
1: doing it with more
2: beep, 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 beep. Left on Thursday to get here for
0: Saturday. Exactly didn't make it because of traffic. Oh, God, it's New York traffic. I mean, and then the Chicago he, traffic might have you guys beat. I don't know. And you missed
1: dinner, and then my mom had to cook, reheat him some Elio's up, and <laughs> and then, you know, we had to <laughs> wake his then he had to go to the bathroom because he had an upset stomach from the, the car trouble. But. So
2: Mighty Mike Vanderbilt is here. And, and there's a reason we, why. Uh, we yeah. brought him in specifically for this movie. We <laughs> flew him in. We sent him in. <laughs>
0: We Needed a Chicago expert <laughs> with a thick <laughs> Chicago accent, in case you can't hear it, listeners, uh, to discuss this one. And
2: we should note that there is a twenty-one Jump Street connection. I, I, I love it. And f- uh, what's his face? I don't. Is he even in my list. I never. Yeah, the Trooper. I took for granted. Yeah, the guy that played Fuller. Yeah, oh, that
1: sure is. Um, trooper Long or Trooper? He's he's one of the. Let's put up one of the interns on it. Yeah, <laughs> but he's <laughs> in it. But the also big connection that we brought Mike over here for is. A lot of people don't know is because this tonight we're doing uh, the Blues Brothers from what, 1980? 1980. And uh, we, we needed the also the backup of uh, musicians. And since you guys are esteemed, <laughs> I blues was thinking about
2: bringing some guitars. Some
1: I was guitars. hoping you guys would because we can break into some of these tunes. Uh, oh, yeah. I was actually going to suggest that we do some <laughs> Jerry Reed and then we segue from like Cheap S- Trick into Stephen this. Williams. Stephen Williams. Stephen Williams. Oh, yes. And
0: 21 Jump Street. Also, yeah. Jason and Goes to Hell. Another. Yes, yes. yes. Yeah.
1: Creighton yeah. Duke. And I think he's in an episode of MacGyver, but you know, I just have to probably throw that. yeah. <laughs> there's a there's nobody a, ended up on MacGyver, episode, uh,
2: most likely cruise uh, ship. But speaking of music, this sh- movie opens with a Taj Mahal song done by the Blues Brothers called "She Caught the Katy." Yes, which is a which is the one that you've covered, which I cover because of this of this yeah. version of it. Of course, we don't do it like this because I don't have a horn section. Yeah, so I kind of rearranged it. Yeah. No, we don't hear it in the movie, but. She Caught the Katie has one of my f- the second verse is one of my favorite verses of all time which I think is also in Robert Johnson's uh, Hot Tamales it's uh, oh, we're going way down the alley Hot right? Tamales <laughs> are way hot and they're for sale <laughs> <laughs> and I got it for sale yeah. uh, uh, well, now I can't think of the, of the verse <laughs> She Caught the Katie left me a mule to ride well, She Caught the Katie to me uh, mule to uh, ride uh, something but trail. The, uh, the verse ends with You know my baby she's long my baby she's tall she sleeps with her head in the kitchen and her feet out in the hall
1: because that's how that's how how big she is (laughs)
2: that's one of my favorite Versus. Now, the the significant thing
1: about this is that, one, we're doing the Blues Brothers. Two, we're doing a Chicago movie, which is the Blues Brothers, so we brought Mike Vanderbilt in. <laughs> Three is that since we have two esteemed musicians here, we have, Mike, how many bands? What do you
0: have? You were right. always playing. I've start, I just started playing late. I didn't pick up guitar until I was 17, because I've always had... That's about when I started. I've too. always had massive imposter syndrome, and like and, uh, <laughs> my parents will attest that I tended to get into things and... Not stick with them yeah. like anybody else, but uh, I picked up a guitar when I was seventeen because I wanted to, I wanted to be in a band. I wanted to be cool, you know, and that was the way to do it. And I probably didn't actually start getting good at guitar till I was twenty-two, and I no, actually maybe twenty-three or twenty-four, and I still kind of suck. And <laughs> what, what do you gravitate towards? You like the blues? You like more rock? Or I was more. I was always a rock and punk guy. Yeah. I mean, my favorite band is Cheap Trick. My favorite band of all time uh, from Rockford, you know, but Chicago. Gets them by proxy. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I got into punk and 70s AM pop. And, you know, I grew up in the 80s. So my mom w- listened to a lot of like Rick Springfield. And, uh, like, uh, my favorite songs growing up were like um, Who's Johnny by health Barge because nice. of the short circuit connections. Yeah, still of mad that that video never showed the robot. You know? <laughs> I know. Like, I still remember watching that video. Looking like, for that robot. Looking for that robot. Yeah. And the robot's <laughs> just the only yeah. thing hand. So it's a, a great marketing times. ploy. Oh, man. Um, so yeah, I started playing guitar, wanted to be in a band. None of the bands in the neighborhood would let me in. So my buddy Pat O'Sullivan and I, who we used to host a Drinks at Monday podcast with, we just started our own band and we uh, became the Romeros, which is funny because I wanted to be the Argentos, but I was mm-hmm. outvoted. We were a three-piece. I was outvoted and I was the only guy left in the band 10 years later. But when we played a secret show, we would play as the Argentos. And now I'm playing With the modern day Rippers uh, Which is definitely More of a party punk Kind of thing I'm just on guitar I write a couple of tunes I do backup vocals And that's a That's a lot of fun And you guys uh, uh, Perform a lot around The Chicago area Oh yeah Absolutely At least once a month I mean One thing you learn though As you get older It's just harder to get uh, I'm the young guy In the band At 38 And everybody's got You know Significant others Kids Responsibilities Life Yeah (laughs) Day jobs So it's like Getting five people In a room with each other It's hard It's
1: hard to do Yeah that's a lot of problems Blake's had. Blake, so you've been playing since I've known you. You started when I got when we got into college, you brought your guitar and amp and you're like, I've been playing a lot of Black Sabbath and he introduced me to Sabbath. And uh Yeah yeah I
2: started playing when I was sixteen or seventeen and uh I started playing because of the blues. I was very into that the That was blues. your first love, huh? Yeah I mean no I mean I, I liked other sh- yeah. stuff. it's it's also it kinda how
1: we we bonded too. We had well, a same getting... which is weird we had the very same music Tastes. It's kind of young to get into the
0: blues. Like, I mean, because I think it—you you know, almost have to be older sometimes to truly appreciate. <laughs> well, the blues. I mean, I got into <laughs> it
1: because, like, I liked—I was obsessed with the Doors growing up, and then like bands of that era. You find out like the Beatles or whatever. What are they doing? They're doing blues. Who are these guys? BB King, Muddy Waters. Yeah. Then you go down that way, and then you just—you just back. You know, you back you go track. back from there, yeah. And that's how I got into the blues that way. And then yeah. our parents with Sinatra and stuff, you get into that sure. the American songbook.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I got into the blues probably mostly because my older brother was into the blues, which is definitely like this movie was. It should, The Blues Brothers, which is, it's one of my brother's favorite movies of all time. Is I, he a musician as well? N- he has recently started. Okay. I think I don't know for sure, and if he's going to hear this, he might be, get angry. He <laughs> might listen to this one because we're doing The Blues <laughs> Brothers. Yeah, but. He came to see me play one time in the city, <coughs> and then shortly after that, he started playing guitar. So I'm thinking maybe, but it was good because then it g- when we talk, it, we talk about music, but then it gave us
0: something else to talk about, which was like gear. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. what are
2: you playing with? What pedals are you? What using? What pedals using? Oh, I, know, uh, I wh- just wh- got this new amp. Blah, what, blah, kind blah, blah. Uh, what kind of
0: what kind of pickups you got in that sucker? But he know?
2: loved this movie. I remember he used to have a big poster, the big like a big Blues Brothers poster above his bed at my dad's house that I think might have been framed wow i don't know if my dad would have let him just like tack a poster up on the <laughs> wall so he might have had this giant blues brothers poster uh hung up over his bed and when so you he, got college, he always you loved this too. movie Slapshot was another movie that he introduced me to but i think i probably got into the blues because he was into the blues i remember he got we did a, a side cast for podwits dion's old podcast where we did like favorite live albums or
1: yeah yeah rock or blues albums of our own so we went yeah, and we did like yeah. f- five or ten a piece and one of
2: like my like desert island blues albums maybe just albums of all time is bb king live at the regal okay uh, and he gave that to me for christmas one year that was probably like my first genuine blues album yeah. that i ever had and i just fell in love with that and i was way into clapton and then in 94 clapton did like an all blues from the Cradle Yes Oh yeah Album And then That was uh, it <laughs> and, But it was It was funny Because it wasn't even So much of that album That got me hooked PBS ran a documentary Called Nothing But The Blues Eric Clapton Nothing But The Blues And it was A performance of him Live at the Fillmore West Doing Blues songs in promotion of that album, intercut with interviews of him talking about the blues here, like his blues heroes, and it was that that really got me hooked. It was more of like seeing the original with footage they had of the original guys, but then just like seeing that there's like this history of it, you know, like it's yeah, you know, it's got more history than. You know any other like American blues well, form other than jazz, probably. And yeah, and like
0: rock and roll owes everything to the blues. Yeah, and like yeah. that,
2: it was like that. It was weird. It was like a. F- it was a movie
0: that got really <laughs> got me hooked onto <laughs> blues music. <laughs> yeah, and then
2: I, you know, like like horror fans, every horror fan wants to make a horror movie. Sure, every blues fan wants to play. The blues.
0: Yeah. yeah. And so that's how and we started. Love, I mean, you love playing in front of a crowd. I mean, you get to be the coolest guy in a room for 45 minutes <laughs> a night. It's right back to business as usual. Like, yeah. you still got a low deck gear. Well, you don't. You're a Manhattanite, so you told me. I was like curious about your amp situation. You're like, oh, no. Most places have hands. Most places they I, have a back I line, always yeah. laugh. At, uh, and you. Th- this movie's the same way in that you never see a band loading their amp into a show in a movie. You always see them just kind of walking with their guitar case. and That's because it is it is not uh it's, it's not cool like <laughs> lifting up a yeah you know, the yeah, bill yeah. up the stairs of subterranean <laughs> which is you know you know big staircase and you're just locking this thing up there in a the road case and the road case just you think it's great because it's got wheels but it just makes the amp heavier he used to
1: tuck cart around a uh, remember you'd have your little tray with your amp and then you'd have that connected to like a little cart that you'd bring everywhere
0: yeah
2: i used to have a <coughs> hand truck <laughs> you know, when I first started playing live, I bought this giant amp because I got a good deal of it, like a huge, like, Fender DeVille. That's what I've got. The, the 410? Yeah, yeah. And I was just like, I can't lug this around New York City. <laughs> I <don't laughs> no. A, I, don't, I don't have a car. Well, that's just it, yeah. I know, like, I can't get I can't, like, call a taxi. So I ended up trading it in for a smaller amp that's a New York company called Tech 21. Which isn't tubes, which so it makes it a little bit lighter, but it sounds great. Oh. And that was my my first like gigging amp. was yeah. the, that Tech
0: Twenty One. I got this Fender Four Ten because I was tired of playing through these little solid state amps that I just felt like never gave enough power, yeah. and then I was like. God, I this thing around. And it's like, I used to have a big pedal board and a big amp and, you know, two guitars. Now I'm just trying to bring everything down. I bought one of the little orange micro Terrors, and I was like, I wish I could just play a show with that thing that it <laughs> just about fits in my guitar case. Yeah, yeah. But um, the Fender 410 sounds great. Like, it's never failed me. I mean, even but as so many I've beers been, that have been spilled on it. So
2: now I've been playing the blues in New York City since, I don't know, for, for 15 years, maybe more. When? 2007? Five or six. When you came, in when you moved here, I think that's when I You moved here. Two thousand six. I think I started playing just before that. Yeah, live in the city, and I th- that was Jay Blake and the Earthquake.
0: Yeah, great was name. The, was the name of that band, and then when you when did you get inducted into the Blues, the New York I, Blues Hall of Fame? I mean,
2: realistically, it was like literally it was two thousand fifteen, but I think I d- the induction ceremony was until like f- sixteen. Awesome. And that was at B.B. King's, which is now closed. Yeah, it's Which, sad. like, it took me over a decade to get in there, <laughs> to get, like, gigs. Yeah. And the, so I started, I g- finally got, like, semi-regular gig playing in Lucille's, which is the smaller room where you play all night. <coughs> yeah. We sometimes we do, like, five hours.
0: There's a great place in Chicago called Kingston Mines, which you expect to be kind of a reggae bar, but it's a uh, blues joint that goes till four in the morning. And, like, if you bring your guitar... Yeah. E- come up and play with us. Yeah. We
2: we sometimes would do like five hours in there but then every once in a while we would get a gig opening for a touring act on the main stage of BB Kings. took me over a decade to get in there and then for like two or three years we had a decent gig. They're also one of the only places in the city that's going to pay you (sighs) to play. Man, And then it just closed like Ain't no way to make a living. (laughs) Yeah, it's terrible. Uh, But so the blues has always been a huge part of my life. This movie obviously introduced me at a very young age from my brother. Ironically, like not... The Blues Brothers aren't really blues music. No, and that's <laughs> it's more a like, like a rhythm
0: and blues. When you guys were talking about that, it's like, well, yeah. I mean, and I think a lot of people are kind of they hear the name and they think that, but it's more about like whereas this movie, maybe you said this is how you maybe discovered the blues a little bit. It was like this is how I discovered you know R and B, like rhythm and blues, yeah. like sixties and seventies kind of uh, R and B music. That sounds like this was movie had like John Lee Hooker, so
2: I mean, there yeah. were definitely, there's uh, definitely some blues, but for the most part, I mean, even though, uh, you know, the Stacks musician like Steve Cropper, or Doc yeah. Dunn that are in this movie, um, they played on like Every a million great Otis, albums <laughs> yeah, <Otis Redding. laughs> that you don't even but know that they But they, they were like, that. you know, they were Booker, T- they, were, they were the MGs, they yep. were Booker T and Isaac. But they played on. Uh, the famous like classic Albert King's Born Under Bad Sign album yeah uh, I got to interview Steve Cropper many years ago when he was putting out an album about the Five Royals he did a tribute album to the band the like the R&B group the Five Royals and uh, so I interviewed him and so it was awesome I was like what was it like playing with Albert King and he's like Albert was great he's like he had some he had the craziest tuning on his oh guitar god because like he didn't know how to tune a guitar when he was literally would just pick it up yeah from sure. like out of the corner, at like his uncle's house or something, and he would just play it. And it was always out of tune. Did he flip it too? Was he? And he was also left-handed. Yeah. Like oh, yeah. If, I'm not sure if he. Fl- yeah, I guess he would have had to. I, I thought Otis he flipped it and
1: he then he, t- that's, and then he restrung it that way or something. I know crazy. Otis Rush was a lefty with it playing upside down.
0: There's a guy I know. Uh, he plays upside down. But, like, the strings are put on it weir- because that's how he learned how to play. And it's just the weirdest thing when you. That's my you problem. So I'm, I'm
1: left handed, and every time picking up a guitar growing up, it was always the wrong way. Yeah. So it was always awkward <laughs> for me. And then if I tried to do it my way, it wouldn't fit. Right. I'm like, I'm fed up. Yeah, yeah.
0: I always. I mean, people, like, what kind of tunings do you use? Like, the, the rule with their marrows was it's got to be in standard tuning because you got to be able to play it drunk. Like, because, like, if you had to, like, let me switch guitars down to to drop D or, like, uh, I always, when I play acoustic live, I always tune down half a step and sometimes a full step because I don't have to get the rest of the band (laughs) on the same page either. But it's just easier for my voice to kind of, I can hit the notes a little bit better. And Rhett Miller from the old ninety sevens is the one who I found out played down a whole step. Wow.
2: Well, I didn't start learning about all that stuff until I started learning the Sabbath stuff. Right. I always say like my two guitar teachers were Eric Clapton and then m- even more so Tony Iommi from Black Sabbath because once I got Paranoid the album Paranoid and I just started playing along with that album and he's still in the standard tuning in that album it's not till the next album which is probably Masters of Illusion where he starts tuning down because Tony had was missing fingers on his the tips of his fingers on his fret hand Yeah. so he would have t- and they didn't have li- light gauge strings then so sure. What ha- age do you use? I b- let's get re- let's get real nerdy here for a minute. Here, <laughs> I probably good time. <laughs> uh, actually, I differ. I, I used to use like nines and nine fives. That's what I
0: started on,
2: and then I was using tens, and then I was using elevens, and now I'm back to
1: ten. And for the um, the nomenclature <laughs> that, that that means just the thickness of them, the right? the thickness
2: of the strings. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you the have thicker like st- they are,
1: the more you're able to like bend them, and, but it's harder, it's right? Just
2: a, it gives a different sound, although
0: it give you a little bit of a heavier. Tone, I think, when you use yeah. and I only switched to 11s because somebody called me a candy ass because they found out I was playing nines. I go, like, oh, I'm just going to go up to 11s then. Except on my Rickenbacker, I still use nines on my Rickenbacker.
2: I was doing 11s a for a long time, but I do so much bending because of the blue stuff. Yeah, you know, for sure. If I take a break and then I go back to it, it's murder. <laughs> I mean, Steve Ray Vaughn used to use like thick
1: ones, 12s
0: right? or 13s. yeah, which is amazing, yeah. and uh, which means they're
1: so thick that it's like you can
2: hardly even move them, and he's
1: still tough, been able to yeah. bend them he's to get those sounds. Like a, he had to
0: have hands like a But like Billy
2: Gibbons used to use really thick strings until he was talking with BB uh, B. King, and BB King's like, "Why are you using such thick strings, <laughs> baby? Why B. B. are you using BB King used so like really light. Uh, strings and then so now Billy Gibbons from ZZ Top uses like eights or wow. sevens but Tony Iommi they didn't have he used to use like banjo strings because they were lighter <laughs> and then just to have a little bit of more looseness he started tuning down okay so that just like the tension on the string wasn't as tight because of, cause it was playing with prosthetic tips that he made out of <laughs> shampoo bottles
1: <laughs> now what does that mean when you tune down and stuff like that like you said you bring it down
2: I mean, the standard tuning is, what the, is, is E. Yeah, is the, the the low and the high strings good are country on, key on E. <laughs> <laughs> and then <laughs> when you tune down, is you, you're tuning, you're loosening the tension on the string. So you could go if you go down half step, then like your open, you know, low E and high E end up becoming like E flat. Yeah, and then if you tune down more, they become F.
0: And a lot of punk bands use like the like I know Green Day uses like the half step down thing, and I think it's just. Uh, it's easier to play, but it's also easier to sing, like, if you don't have the most melodious voice that, in the and world.
2: Because there's less tension on the string, it, it's a slightly
0: lower tone.
2: Yeah. So that, so it, it was a huge part of, why, of the Black Sabbath sound, but it was out of necessity, really. Not, That's
0: awesome. I didn't know that.
2: It was because he just couldn't play... With the sh- <laughs> with with standard the tuning, gotlers. like every night, you <laughs> yeah, know? Well, sure,
1: for sure. Yeah, he lost that in a in, a, in an a- industrial accident. Lost the tip of that finger.
2: Now, the beauty of the Blues Brothers band is, uh, you know, backing, it's, hard, right? it's hard to figure out, you know, where to start. But you know, in essence, since we're talking about the music aspect of it, um, you know, it kind of got its start for the most part through uh, Saturday Night Live. And Paul Schaefer was in the Saturday Night Live band back then. And so he kind of helped them handpick. They wanted to do this and help them handpick. I We mean, can get more into the origin in a second. but
0: Because they were uh, Aykroyd and well, it was more so Aykroyd that was obsessed with b- b- like blues. Blues and rhythm blues. Because yeah. uh, Belushi was more of a heavy metal guy from yeah. what I understand. And uh, so he was, cause Aykroyd's from he
1: Canada? Were, yeah, he's from Canada. And he, at the time he was going to, uh, I forget where, but he was going for like, uh, crime pathology he was going for like all this kind of psych for yeah for school like uh Schooling. for college and stuff like majoring in like uh, psychology and all these different like things and then at night he'd go see these great blues bands this very famous club that bb king would go holland wolf and he would jam a little I bit with he them. he also
2: had a club you at know? some point yeah like he the had the a speakeasy club yeah he had something. a
1: speakeasy in chicago or right north of that he i don't know he's
0: got a he's got a chicago connection like
1: for yeah sure. well i don't was, know what it is they were second all like city, second city yeah. you know and the uh and he uh, him coming over um, from there, and he was also fans of the Downchild Blues Band, which is a uh, Canadian band, uh, which was very big, which they end up doing some of the tunes, uh, like what do they do, Shotgun Blues, and um, yeah. uh, not Hey Bartender, what's the other one? Uh, there's another very famous song they do. And then I guess
2: when they got to, what, New York and doing Saturday Night Live. Well, I mean, supposedly, Belushi they, goes up to Canada... Because apparently there's some kind of second city connection in Canada
0: too. Oh, well, yeah, SC, well, there's SCTV yep. from yeah. out of there, and I think, I mean, then you get, Ivan Reitman was producing movies up there. And yeah, so he bo- ended up getting involved, I'm s- sure. S-
2: but Belushi went up there to kind of try to steal some of the second city people for his nas- for National Lampoon. Okay, yeah. like the radio show or whatever okay, they yes. were doing. And so this is prior to sign yeah, Out Yeah, before so early, 70s. Yeah, it was early, early '70s. Yeah, early to mid '70s. And yeah. then so that's how Aykroyd and Belushi met, I think. Yeah. And then that's when Aykroyd started r- introducing him to blues and rhythm and blues music. And Belushi started kind of introducing Aykroyd to like
0: heavy, you know, the 70s heavy metal music. Yeah. And, and Belushi was a big fan of Fear, uh, the <laughs> punk band. Like, that's how they <laughs> ended up on SNL for that, that that gangbuster performance.
2: And then I think I, I, the timeline, I, I'm not positive of the timeline because also Howard Shore enters in here. Because Sh- but Howard Shore is Canadian. Well, they they both go to, and Howard Shore being the composer. Now he's famous for doing the Lord of the Rings movies, <laughs> but he did almost, own om- like literally almost all of David Cronenberg's movies. I mean, he's one of the top. Uh,
0: I think he did. Uh, God bless Canada. After Hours for Scorsese. Oh, Scorsese's yeah, Howard Shore. That's just one of those names I know. Like, he's yeah. done. He, I'm just imagining he's done everything. But well, he's, I think that they he's were. He's Canadian,
2: and he became the band leader or at least like the for the Saturday Night Live band in the early days.
1: Yeah, so they get, they get on to Saturday Night Live and they're playing here, and then again, this thing with Ackroyd, where Ackroyd either hires out a Club or rents a club on the west side that they're jamming at when they're not uh, doing Saturday Night Live and everyone's hanging out there. And then I guess, while they were doing that there, that's when uh, Belushi shows an interest and starts doing stuff on stage and they start playing and then Belushi goes and does Animal House in Oregon. And meets um, what's his face? Uh, Carl or Curtis uh, Salgado, the, the, who and he was a harmonica player for Robert Cray, maybe. Oh yeah. yeah and then yeah. he, there's a big tutelage there. He see she sees him Cray, live.
2: Robert Cray actually is like the bass player in the movie. Yes, Animal House. When they go see you know, uh, uh, Otis, Otis uh, Day and uh, the Knights, uh, yeah. Yeah. and so they end give up me seven carlings.
0: <laughs> and, uh, no,
1: give me a ro- double rock and Ryan seven carlings. And then so Belushi has this big, uh, is enamored by him, and then he spe- spends all his time talking the blues with Curtis, and this and they beat that end up basing Cab Calloway's character on on uh, Curtis, on this Curtis. Yeah. And then he really gets him excited about the blues, and he starts sitting and doing stuff. So then by the time he comes back to New York after Animal House. That's when they start messing around on Saturday Night Live. Yeah. And then during rehearsals.
2: Like, he and Aykroyd would come up with, they came up with these characters with backstories and stuff. Yeah. And Cause
0: I love the way Aykroyd writes a script. Like I read about the Ghostbusters script where like, there were 110 pages describing the dashboard <laughs> of the Ecto-1. Oh, yeah, the, the, the Cadillac. It, yeah. It, it, it's weird because you look at the, b- the backstory where I guess they
1: get the suits from, there's particular skits where you have Chevy Chase playing Ford. And uh, President Ford at the time. Uh, and he was always a klutz on Saturday Night Live. And then behind him, playing Secret Service, was Aykroyd and Belushi. So you first have them wearing the suits that yeah. way. Then, Saturday Night Live, for people who forget, have that big. Uh, at the time in the late seventies, which we just brought up a couple weeks ago, there was a big scare um, about killer bees, and on In Search of, we brought <laughs> yeah. Leonard Nimoy up, which the, oddly uh, enough, the I just d-
2: read recently that it's coming back like this week. Yeah, people were afraid With of
1: these.
0: Zachary
2: Quinto <laughs> as the host.
1: Oh yeah,
0: I, I just oh, read that too. <laughs> oh,
1: in Search of, not killer bees. The In Search, yeah, in Search yeah, of, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's back. wild. We like,
0: just brought that up. Let's get the next, the next best thing. <laughs> yeah, to, uh, yeah. 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 He looks like
1: yeah. him. We brought that up on the Invasion Invasion U.S.A. Invasion of the Body Snatchers cast we
2: might have brought it up on
1: it and on so. uh, <laughs> Star Trek 6 um, so that was a big thing like these African bees that were accidentally taken over like in shipping containers and let loose in South America and they were making their way up and soon we they were going to go through Mexico invasion of the body snatches. yeah that's what we did yeah because we were talking about in search of, and you know, at some point they were going to make their way through Mexico, hit, cross the border, and terrorize nineteen ninety. Yeah. <laughs> so the big joke on Saturday Night Live was uh, very funny skit where like people are sitting there watching the news in their apartment. They're like, "Oh my god!" And then all of a sudden the window opens and these guys, Elliot Gould, dressed as bees, yeah. they come in with like the the you know the ammo and they're like we kill the killer bees and they're very Mexican like "How you doing?" You
0: know, like that. So that was the skit that was very popular. So they oh, yeah, have I remember those. That one. I remember the one where. Uh, they were talking i think they were discussing masturbation it was like ta- but they kept saying have you ever buzzed off before <laughs> <Exactly. And laughs> yeah it's
1: all the they play this whole thing like on mexican killer bees so they have those bee outfits and then i think the first time they ever perform on saturday Night live they take the bee outfits and they perform on am a king bee which is you and i know it, the muddy waters yeah cover yeah, it's a, uh sl- 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 sl-
2: it's um a slim harpo song
1: yeah and then the doors have covered it too and uh they, they, they sing I'm a King Bee uh, dressed as the bees and they have the glasses on it, they may even have the hats and that was just a success. And the glasses come, the
2: Ray-Ban sunglasses come from, it was a look that John Lee Hooker had mm. with, the, with the sunglasses. Yeah. And, and, uh, and then later as... Older by the 70s The hat Yeah
1: So that was kind of Something
2: that they Got from him And then when they Acquire the suits They
1: think about Well you know In the 40s 50s and 60s If you wanted to Make it as a musician You gotta look Like you know Gotta wear a suit You gotta look good So that's where The suits come into play Yeah And then Uh they start, I guess, playing and jamming with the with the Senate Live Band, like during rehearsals or sound checks, or keeping the audience uh, cool. And when that you're was Paul Shaffer.
0: And uh, was there anybody else big in the Senate Live Band at I that time? I
2: think had uh, the horn section from this band is be, I think pretty sure basically the Blue Lou and all them. Yeah, I think they're basically the horn section. Like I said, the like the music director. Was Howard Shore, and it was Howard and
0: Schaefer <laughs> was the leader. Yeah, and, and that blew my mind the first time I heard it because I knew Schaefer from Letterman yeah, yeah, growing yeah. up, and it also blew my mind when I found out that G. E. Smith in the Center of Life band from yeah. the '80s is basically Hall and Oates.
1: Yeah, yeah. Like. and then there's a great uh, Buddy Guy album with him. Playing with G. Live Smiths, band, legends, yeah. with, with with G. E. Smith's um, <laughs> band, bringing the um, back and back and, uh, Buddy Guy in that, and then you like you're alluding to it's Howard Shore who actually coins the term. Yeah, he
2: says, why don't you guys just call yourselves the Blues Brothers?
1: Yeah, and then uh, at that time, where uh, Aykroyd is reintroducing him to all these, the Belushi, to all these blues records and stuff, and I guess Belushi had been a drummer, so he had a good time. Uh, I played saxophone for a little while. I played the alto when I was in fourth <laughs> grade. I played drums for like three or four years too. You're a musician. Yeah, yeah, exactly. In, in my high school days, and then uh, so. <laughs> well, what do you call a drummer without a girlfriend? Homeless. <laughs>
3: oh. <laughs> That's true. That's very true.
1: Uh, and then so I guess the the the, the 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 progression is once Animal House comes out, everything it's like the world now is suddenly like Saturday Night Live is
0: like the in thing. It's cool. And Animal House was uh, directed by John Landis. Yes. Written by Harold Ramis. Correct. Right? Yeah. Yeah.
1: And that was one of Landis's first big. Th- he did Schlock, which wasn't that big. He had, um. He was an intern or the a production most dangerous assistant director. Yeah, uh, he was a production assistant on Kelly's Heroes, and went to Yugoslavia when they did Kelly's Heroes. The classic oh right, movie. Yeah. And then that's how he had met Donald Sutherland and got Donald Sutherland to come in and cameo in Kentucky house. Fried Movie. Oh, that's
0: oh, oh that's
1: right. And then that's yeah, to rep- and then he comes in. F- so he then he does Kentucky Fried Movie, and that's a moderate success. And they do I Animal House, and, and Animal House is uh, you know yeah. gangbusters. And coincidentally, yeah, right? oh,
2: yeah. Donald Sutherland's doing Animal House in conjunction with Invasion of the Body Snatchers, which we did on the last episode. Yeah, yeah. Recently on the and, show, yeah, we we and never he, got into how good at the time <laughs> Donald Sutherland with his hair and he would be flying. With curlers he, Like on the weekends He would fly from San Francisco Up to, to like s- Oregon right Yeah to Seattle or, or wherever they were Shooting Animal House To shoot
1: To shoot his that. scenes In there You know and he had his. Did he, is he I don't remember Does he have curly hair In that too Or is he straight Straight haired I
2: think
0: he's got He's got normal. curly hair In Animal yeah. House Yeah, yeah because yeah. he said He had, he to, had to put it. his hair
1: In curlers Every you know <laughs> It's the same look He has in Don't Look Back Don't Look Now Not Don't Look Back That's the Bob Dylan one Don't you look at those confused yeah. uh, <laughs> Basically the same thing Yeah Don't Look Now He, he has that same Kind of a look uh, At the time And and, and I forgot there was another movie Donald Sutherland was doing at the time that we didn't bring
0: up last week. But anyway, so then they so they, they're Landis pretty So gets involved and not yet, or... Er.
2: Well, well I mean Essentially where we were There's a long way around To say yeah. that Basically they want to Put together their own band Because they're going to Perform not just on the show Of SNL But they're going to Also perform live And start doing some
0: gigs Possibly record So record.
2: Schaefer They ask Schaefer About musicians And so Schaefer Helps them put together This band Which is like One of the greatest bands Of all time Yeah Which is they He's like well you know Steve Cropper And he's like I don't really know Steve Cropper Meaning Steve Cropper Who was in Booker T And the MGs The session guy Who is a great producer He's, the, he's one of the great uh, rhythm mm-hmm. guitar players of rhythm and blues and rock and roll of all time.
1: Yeah, and he's out of Memphis, and he was part of Stax, which we just brought Stax up in Stax Records in in our um, Taking a 2, One Two Three. We were talking about seventies music. And yeah, we yeah, about, yeah. So
2: yeah. he was, and they. So he gets a call. He's in the studio working with Robin Ford, who I've also coincidentally interviewed. He's a great uh, kind of blues. Uh, guitar player Young white guy So just so you don't Well young back then Now, <laughs> he's, now he's not young yeah. But compared to like He's not of like The Muddy Water We just generation. lost uh, Donald Duck Dunn <laughs> Donald Duck Dunn yeah. well, well we lost Donald Duck Dunn A couple years ago Who's oh, the no, bass player But we just lost Matt Matt, guitar, Mac Guitar Matt yeah. yeah
1: Donald Duck Dunn we, the, He passed away While he was touring In Japan I think it was
2: But so the beauty Of it is So they put together This band That's essentially Like the, a Memphis Stacks rhythm section Yeah Right Backed with the, the New York section It's New York horns but yeah. back with the New York horns Which was basically Like the horn section For the Saturday Night Live band And that
1: they got The trumpet player Alan Al, Al Rubin Was that his name Or whatever the, they, they brought him in Because they wanted A particular sound He wasn't really A blues guy I think he was Maybe more jazzish, But he got into it And okay. this
2: was kind of A sound that Had never really been I'm sure people Had done it But it had never Really been like popularized. And yeah. popularized I mean really The Blues Brothers band, especially that court rhythm section of, of uh you know, Steve Cropper, Duck Dunn, and uh, I'm sure that they probably went through different drummers. I mean, in the movie uh Willie Two too big hall, who's also <laughs> a very legendary. I mean, but Cropper player. and Dunn are like Well, they're that on all of all this reading stuff. Yeah, they're on, on Doc of the Band Pickett, yeah. you know, it's like they're one of the great rhythm sections of all time. So, what, what was the documentary stuff? that
0: came out about them? Uh, was that Standing in the Shadows of Motown? Was that them? No, no,
2: that's no. That's the uh, there's the a wrecking crew. S- there's a stack. Yeah, there's a
1: stacks documentary that's very good about yeah. I actually, all
2: the stacks documentary is actually one of my favorites of those kinds of like recent yeah. awesome
1: documentaries. Because people always think of Motown out of Detroit, but then right. they forget that the other
2: side s- of it was uh, stacks in Memphis. Yeah, uh, and then you got that great horn section, which just gave it like an amazing sound. I mean, they really put together a stellar band. I mean, of course. You have the popularity of like Saturday Night Live and stuff. Like you drawing them too. Well, even it's an an interesting era too
1: because you remember at the time, uh, you know, know, seventy four, seventy five, yeah, seventy six. Or when it's seventy seven or seventy eight when Animal House comes out. But at that time. Uh, you know, you said heavy metal is or, or he- it's, it's kind of there, but for the most part, it's disco. Disco pumps punk was coming, coming out, in, and then yeah. you have glam and it's rock. It's all
0: very New York, yeah. Know, and and the then people time. aren't really yeah.
1: listening to the blues really anymore. I mean, there was a resurgence with the Beatles and the other bands in the '60s and into the '70s, but a lot of these guys, you know, they were still touring like crazy, but people weren't really listening to the blues. Kind and, of and fell by the wayside, yeah. And people bit. say that it, you know, if you really think about it, because of Dan Acker and Belushi b- bringing this. To the forefront with with when them having these this name recognition, they really brought this music back. I mean, I yeah, to I mean
2: it's a lot like what the British guys did in the '60s yeah, for yeah. American rock and roll and blues music. You know, it was the Stones
0: and Clapton and those guys. That and they were listening to old American. They were mean, doing yeah. the British take on the old American old, yeah, 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 and blues music. These, these poor
1: blues guys were there who couldn't get a job. They're working day job painters, carpenters, and then they're like these. White British guys are coming over making tons of money. They're like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. I was out. really like, like, Yeah. They, well, that, there was some kind of, you know, uh, some of them were kind of bitter about that, you know. Yeah, like, Howlin' Wolf was never a-
2: happy about it, but or Sonny you, Boy Williamson either. You know, and but it was because of these British guys that like idolized them, that brought them back. Basically like they dusted off I mean, Bobby Waters and Alan Wolf yeah, and these yeah. guys and brought them to England to play, they popularized them
1: again. Yeah, and I mean they got like Sun uh Sun House. he recorded in the early 30s uh, a Robert Johnson contemporary. And then he there was no money, and he just went back to being a porter for like New, New York Central Railroad, and he was a porter for for uh, for forty years. And then in, in the mid sixties, when it was big, they brought him back to play yeah. again. You know, and he's well,
2: like, even like in ninety, Clapton does that, uh, like that twenty four night stint at the Royal Albert Hall, where he splits it up into different quadrants of nights, and so he did a bunch of blues nights where he had Robert Cray and Buddy Guy come. And he basically went, and they found Johnny Johnson. Mm-hmm. I think There's that's so his many name Who was blues, I can't keep, them but straight. he was the <laughs> piano player for Chuck Berry. Oh and wow! He was like a bus driver. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and <laughs> clapped. And I think the, that maybe he got to play with Chuck Berry on that documentary, Hell Hell Rock and Roll, in the late '80s.
1: Oh, the t- Taylor Hackford movie. But then, I love basically
2: cl- Clapton flies him to England, and then he was a basically a professional piano player then again for the rest of his life it was because of these younger yeah. guys and none of these guys got royalties when they recorded back in the day so oh like, no you know,
1: they all I mean, got
0: they all got screwed on those contracts yeah with,
1: like with chess and all that kind of stuff in the 40s and 50s and into the 60s none of them were getting paid for any of the stuff that they recorded or these iconic songs sadly and it's the same thing you see with doo and like you know the people didn't i think it was ray charles and sinatra were the first people like we want to own our material but so they they bring blues back It's also In the late 70s When Apocalypse Now came out There was a big resurgence Of The Doors the band I like yeah, Because yeah. of Apocalypse Now And then they bring out American Prayer Which was the poetry album So there was this big resurgence Of The Doors In the late 70s Suddenly people were like Oh what's this band You know. So it's so <laughs> funny you see these. There's this huge like interest again. Well, it's kind of know. cyclical
0: because then yeah. kind of Stevie Ray Vaughn kind of made the blues cool again for yeah, a and in, in the nineties, yeah. late eighties, early nineties. Yeah. Probably
2: there's like a certain you know you get uh, his brother Jimmy Vaughn has the fa- th- Thunderbirds. What's the name
0: of his? Oh, bag? the Fabulous Thunderbirds. Fabulous yeah.
2: Thunderbirds. They kind of pop up in the eighties, and then you have uh, you know we've talked about it even with with, with all the movies we do with the fifties, like the resurgence of. Oh, the, the 50s. Yeah, the, 50s, oh 50s, the like uh, Stray Cats. Nostalgia cats
0: exploitation. Yeah. Yeah, you
2: get, like, the Stray Cats, and then... But, yeah, you get the fabulous Thunderbirds, and ZZ Top, and and then especially Steve Ray Vaughn, and then, you know, to a lesser extent of, like, mainstream popularity, you have, like, Robert Cray and... Buddy uh, Guy's big there. These guys, but... Uh,
1: and these are also people like BB King who haven't stopped touring. They tour till they die. Yeah, they started well, in they couldn't afford
2: it.
0: Yeah, <laughs> oh yeah,
1: because he had like twenty kids. by, like, <laughs> like,
0: Yeah,
1: twenty one. BB <laughs> King got a
0: got around. Yeah, yeah. So the original it's like, party like a rock star.
1: So they, they, you know, these guys would tour. That's that was their life. So it's amazing. Then they come back into vogue and they have this kind of resurgence. So
0: the so. They get the band together to get him on SNL. So I think
1: since Steve Martin is either sees him or is on. Well, he's that like, He's one of the hosts when
2: yeah, they do it.
0: Yeah, because he's at, in the late
1: '70s. Steve Martin's huge, he's doing his the, you know stand-up comedy shows and stuff like Playing that. Playing the banjo and yeah. So then he says, "Hey, why don't you come open for me with the Palladium or something like that in, in Hollywood?" So they agree. They go open for Steve Martin uh, for one of his comedy shows. They record that, and that ends up being their their first album what, "Suitcase Full of Blues." Briefcase full of blues. Briefcase full of blues, and that sounds like hotcakes. (laughs) And all of a sudden, they're like, shit, this is great. So that's when John Landis gets in, and they're like, you know, let's try to do a movie out of this, but then they leave Saturday Night Live, both of them, Aykroyd and Belushi, and then, uh, you know, there the, there there's a little worry there if the popularity can sustain them to wait till a movie because, you know, Animal House came out in 78. This has come out till 80. This is the
0: first, I think, movie based on a Saturday Night Live sketch, Yeah, basically? yeah, I think yeah. so.
1: I mean, you have, in, to carry on, you have, you know, of course, people in the Wayne's world. There's yeah. what, Stewart like... Stewart saves
0: his family. Yeah, the codeheads code heads head. <laughs> uh,
1: There's a whole slew of movies there, yeah, you know. So they become, like... Pat, a, you know. <laughs> oh, yeah, I, yeah. Somebody was... <laughs> I
0: have... A,
1: no, <laughs> not going, <laughs> we're not going down that alley. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We well, the, we always put the car in neutral on this show. <laughs> and talking about stuff. So. so it's and so it's pretty amazing. And then they they say like, hey, let's develop this. And then what ends up happening for the first album, the briefcase full of blues, in the liner notes, they start making this mythology for the blues brothers of what they were that they were both kids w- raised in an orphanage and uh, their Cap Calloway esque uh, person that they learned the blues from Curtis and he and then they they took a baptism by a, uh, they found a guitar string that was played by skip James maybe. <laughs> and they, they both, you know, cut their fingers and they bled, you know, and that was their baptism by fire to the blues. And so that was like all this, uh, mythology that I think Aykroyd, Belushi and Belushi's wife wrote for the first, the notes for the first album. Yeah. And then they're like, Hey, let's develop this into a movie. And you have Landis at the time who's coming off of, uh, animal house. And they're like, you know, he can, you know, he can direct it. And, uh, Belushi and Aykroyd are into it, and then Aykroyd tries to write a script, but he writes like a
0: 350-page <laughs> script, a phone book. Very on-brand
1: for, yeah. uh,
0: for Dan Aykroyd. And, you
1: know, he didn't know how to write a script, he'd never seen one before, so he's like, oh, so he takes six months to write the damn thing, it's like 350 pages, He 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 puts it into a phone book gives it to the producers like what the fuck is this so then uh, it's like free form not even in a script kind of format So yeah, they give the it most to
0: important them. job of a producer is when to be able to tell people no yeah I exactly think, yeah. And, and,
1: and this is a thing that we, we, we can segue into in a little while because this is this movie also in the era which we talked about last year in *Sorcerer*. This decadence of filmmakers that were, that were huge in the '70s, like Spielberg, um, Lucas, or uh, Coppola, or, or the,
0: the movie brats.
1: Yeah, where they're doing movies like *Heaven's Gate*, they're doing like <laughs> *New York, New York*, they're doing uh, *Sorcerer*, they're doing uh, they're unstoppable. Uh, yeah, they they like But their movies you. are bombs. Yeah, we like. can we can spend as much money as we want because we're we're the next thing. 1941, oh, and okay. and that was another problem because 1941 bombs. So that's why they're suddenly the 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 studio here has got cold feet. Like, oh, maybe Belushi and Acre can't. You know, they they already left Saturday Night Live. They have this band yeah, that this is Universal. You know,
0: Universal put this one out. Yeah,
1: so they're kind of worried. And then Belushi had like a three. He was the trifecta there for a minute, where he he was in the biggest comedy, which was uh, uh, Animal, Animal House. House. He had the he was the the biggest. Uh, uh, album selling, which was the briefcase full of brew, blues, and then he was blues. on the highest blues. <laughs> bruise. That's bruise. the name of my the first bruise. album. The <laughs> 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 briefcase full of brews. And then he was on sign Live, so he had like, the trifecta there. So they were kind of worried, but they bring Landis in, and Landis is another guy where he's like, you know, they're letting him do whatever he wants here, and that leads to something else we can talk down the line that happens in 1982, the Twilight Zone movie. Well,
2: yeah. World's <laughs> most you know? dangerous that's director. Yeah. That's, that's on the
1: Yeah We've been But we'll keep We'll keep talking Because this is almost A good prelude Near the end of the cast We can like This is like the backstory To (laughs) when we end up doing You know that one It'll
0: be too far. Yeah So they make Like the Blues Brothers I mean I think Roger Ebert Described it as a A freight train Of a movie Or like a runaway train Like Mm.
2: It is one of those movies where there's not really any other movie quite like it.
1: Well, there's no no real plot. There's just, like, business yeah. to get there's from... like, it's a, a premise. Number to number. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah.
1: You know, it's like, it's the, how can we qu- quickest get to the next
2: musical number? Like, you know... Yeah, well, of, Landis takes this, like, 350-page script, and he's got it. He's, you know, the one tasked with whittling it down. <laughs> yeah. To, like, 120 pages. Uh and he says, like you know, the best thing about Ackroyd is ideas, and so like in 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 essence, like that's Ackroyd's talent, and and you know he needs somebody like Landis that can, you know, is <laughs> <laughs> that the script? You know? <laughs> no, no, no. no.
0: <laughs> I'm looking El, at the uh, Jay Blake's talk. I'm gonna <laughs> pull out my
1: book and yeah, start <laughs> <the> reading. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I'm referencing some stuff that a book I got that will I'll but, bring up in a while. Uh,
2: You know, Ackroyd just basically should have just done like an outline of ideas, it sounds like. But whatever the creative process is, it it has led to one of the most unique and classic Well, I don't know if you guys know this,
0: but the Chicago flag has four stars on it, and they each stand for something different. It's uh, the Chicago Fire, uh, (laughs) Fort Dearborn, the World's Columbian Exposition. And the filming of the Blues Brothers. Seriously, that's no, <laughs> no, no, an alternative. <laughs> wow! But in Chicago, it almost feels like it sometimes because the filming of the, like you didn't see a lot of. Um, Old Man Daly. Uh, yeah, Richard Daly, who was mayor. He yeah. didn't let a lot
1: of movies. No, he was mad. There was there. an episode of I forget what show it was, but they had like Some a cop show. A cop was getting a shot there once. Yeah, I know. Kolchak is set there. They shot. They probably. They
0: probably shot wraparounds with him in the car driving around or the train because I did yeah. look it up because I was surprised. Uh, I was like, I was watching an episode of Cold Check, and I was like Oh, Derrick they looked Avenue. like they actually shot in Chicago, and they yeah. did. But you didn't see a lot of stuff. Yeah, it was, like, it, was the, it was it
1: was the it was the style of like they, they did with Kojak Code, Code and a lot of those shows where they would shoot like um, as, like a, you know, a weekend there, yeah. and then they would do like the close-ups of the interiors on, on everything yeah. you else. Know, Hollywood. Well, set. they ended
2: up you know originally Law and Order was shot all in New York, but apparently they the crew after a while got complacent and uncomfortable and they start and they ended up like fucking up the courthouse like no. the you know <laughs> like they just got lazy <laughs> and they and so finally new york was like you can't keep shooting here because you're just like messing up you guys cr- keep you can't so go then home it, then it became that they would shoot the exteriors here at like the beginning of the week and then they'd for the end of the week of shooting they'd fly back to la and shoot all the interiors on sets yeah uh, um, so
0: i mean that's just common practice And it, so and, it was mayor jane byrne i believe yeah who, jane byrne was who the f- let who got the blues brother so the louder brother daily wouldn't shooter. let yeah. a lot of people shoot there for because years. Allegedly, of the story. What's the, that, what's the, the story? Uh,
1: that that did, there was some sort of 50s, early 60s cop show, and then in, in an episode of that cop show, which we should know the name of, that <laughs> supposedly he
0: saw a Chicago t- cop takes a bribe. You know, and because well, of that I he's like, well, screw that, it.
2: That's the story. My yeah.
0: uncle was, uh, and my grandfather were both uh, Chicago police. And really, I once, I once asked my uncle how much corruption there was in a Chicago police force, and he just told me just about the right amount. <laughs> uh, that's amazing. I mean, you know. It, Chicago history is so storied. You know, da- Richard
1: Daly, he was, he's, I mean, you know. The machine, it's still going over yeah, there. And then his, doesn't he have his son or his grandson? He was a mayor. His
0: son, because there was Richard Daly, and then Mayor Daly, the Mayor Daly I grew up with was, I think, Richard Daly. Junior or Richard Daley Junior. I, yeah, I, I, I'm blanking. Because I, I don't know man. how
1: long uh, Senior was mayor, but I, like I iconically know him as the older guy that you see coming out to the podiums when he had the 68 the Democratic, 68 Democratic convention, and convention and there was the big rioting outside because of the uh, of what was going on inside, and that's the famous thing where it's either Ted Coppel or Dan Rather gets pushed to the ground. Oh yeah, and you see him on the floor, convention floor. He's like, "Excuse me, sir," and he gets up. He's like, "I was just freaking manhandled." There,
0: and, there was actually a uh, I never. That uh, a t-shirt that was made like that was internal amongst police, but you'd see people around the neighborhood wearing it because the neighborhood I live on the South Side of Chicago, and uh, the neighborhood I live in is a lot of cops and firemen because it's the furthest end of the city. W- and cops and firemen Chicago have to live within the city. Oh, so that's the not yeah. everywhere. They, they, I, they d- that was something that Daly always kept in. Younger Daily kept in line, and that's what kept you know the city from you know kept people staying living in the city, which yeah. is what they wanted. But the researchers said it was like when there was another Democratic National Convention, I was like, in 68, we uh, beat your dad up. We're going (laughs) to beat you up, too, or something like that. I always say, it's totally bad taste, but that's my kind of humor, and it's very Chicago. It it goes back to the
1: idea where... that you know that you can't have people living in the suburbs then working in the city come in and then they're not going to know the neighborhood suddenly they're working in Harlem yeah. and they're like yeah. they can't tell you know they don't know the in and out so th- I no. think the idea is live within the city limits so that you have the same kind of people
0: who live there know the people <laughs> there was talk of Rahm Emanuel like uh, you know Getting rid of that, and it's like that'll never happen. Yeah. yeah.
2: Well, I mean, here it just became, you know, like co- the Copland's kind of based on, which is like they all just like moved to Staten Island. My yeah. my, my neighborhood is based. Or my neighborhood.
0: Jersey. I live. I grew up in Beverly or Long Island, too. and I live in Mount Greenwood, but I don't like Mount Greenwood because it's, it's like a Twilight Zone episode where I made fun of Mount Greenwood growing up so much, and now I own a house there. Yeah, of course. Like, I tell people it's actually Far West Beverly. Like I (laughs) I gerrymandered it on my uh, my Foursquare app, but it's just like Copland. Like Mount Greenwood is cops and firemen who live on the city limits because it is relatively it's residential, a little bit more on the suburban side of things. But it's still the city. I mean, I still pay my one hundred and twenty five dollars to have the privilege of having a car. Chicago, hey,
1: but you, it, you're you're in the suburbia end of it. That there. It's
0: closer to like the it, it feels like when people got there, it's like this is still Chicago, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: Philadelphia is like that. Like where I grew up, we're still in Philadelphia, but in the Northeast, it's very much more suburban, row houses, you know, yeah. kind of
0: bungalows is the big thing in Chicago. A yeah. Chicago bungalow is, but like the, like,
1: now if I know my Al Capone history too, North Side was traditionally what the Irish. I think so. And it then w- Southside, which is, for this, the, the uh, pertaining to this, is like, that was like where African-American, the blues... Oh, yeah. Well, that's know, my, that's yeah. why I was
2: going to say, is like, it's very important kind of that it takes place in Chicago that the Blues Brothers are from Chicago, because uh, Chicago, not necessarily the birthplace of electric blues, but definitely like the mecca of electric blues. That's where we have all the guys like Muddy Waters, Chess Records, opens up there and that's Checkerboard Lounge Checkerboard Lounge but that's like all the the African American blues musicians from the south migration they all migrate to the city and for some reason Chicago was the city to migrate to
0: Post-war, uh, they probably were probably jobs. It's fucking well, cool thing. there. That's fine. Yeah. Well, then there's <laughs> like there was just a lot of industry
2: there, right? Well, yeah. that's
0: what, and that's something that you really get a glimpse of, I think. And uh, Chicago uh, Blues Brothers is one of my. Fans. Well, that opening it, shot it's I was is gonna very say, much like the Rust
1: Belt slap shot, Deer Hunter. Ch- you know where you see those Chicago yeah, was
0: a
2: very industrial
1: yeah. city. I mean, and they you they kind of forget g- that for now jobs,
0: because,
2: but they didn't necessarily go there to play
0: music no, initially no, yeah. they went
1: there for post-war when when the, the farms you start losing the farming jobs or it's automation starts taking over a lot of people then you see that migration and we've hinted about this a lot before where you know they're african-americans are migrating to the to the east or the to central to chicago new york city and then that's at the same time and Correlation with you know uh, they, what they call the white flight, but people leaving right post World War II, they're leaving the cities Going because the suburbs. suburbs because yeah. they want to have a house. They have the yeah. GI Bill. They want to you know have some more space. And then who replaces them are African Americans. And sadly, the lot of the factory jobs are leaving the cities too to go to the suburbs right. because we can rebuild. We can make the, the, everything flat as opposed to a big high rise building. So that's why you have a lot of when they get to these. Big Bergs, they don't have the jobs So there's poverty, and then people need cars And it's this whole thing where, you know, seven Eight people living in an apartment or a house So what do you do? You know, I don't know, you can't sustain Yourself, so.
2: But Chicago Became, huge. like I said, but is also Like the mecca of electric
0: blues And I think those opening shots of the Blues Brothers Perfectly captured, even now it's hard to Imagine, because Chicago has changed since 1980, 79 when sure. they're filming this thing That it was an industrial city, and you Kind of get that, that grime. You, you forget you that the, Even
1: those openings, if you showed those to people, they might I not even pick out that's the Blues Brothers movie.
0: Well, yeah, yeah. Blues you Brothers know? is one of those movies, and you guys talk about it a lot. It almost, it almost feels like Blade Runner. Yeah. Or even that that the Slaving Stack. It's not you colors. would expect the <laughs> comedy it's to open with. It's right.
1: Because I went to uh, Cleveland with my day job twice uh, in 2016, and you see Cleveland with Deer Hunter takes place. That's the Steel. And they oh, still sure. have those. There's yeah. There's this valley, and in this valley, and I don't know, you can't really have perspective on it because you're so far away when you go by highway. They still have these steel factories, and they look like very much like Blade Runner like this. They have these pipes coming out, yeah. and you see that in Deer Hunter, and these things are 24 hours a day, these blue flames, which are just, I guess, the... It's the venting of the, the the heat and the steam, so you, you forget that you have
0: this this crazy like industry,
2: huge meat industry too in Chicago. Oh, so the stockyards, right? yeah, yeah,
0: that was a big thing on uh, over in uh, the back of the yards neighborhood, which is on the south side, not as far south as I am, but and it's kind of a it's a rougher neighborhood. It's still it was a rough neighborhood then. It's a rough neighborhood now. And the south side's always kind of traditionally been kind of a rough neighborhood, and then it's now, like, you know, like even but my neighborhood is like not rough at yeah. all. I mean, it's like I always say about anybody you know any neighborhood like keep your head up keep your wits about you and you'll be fine and you know
2: yeah. you know where you live you're saying there's and don't co- get, cops everywhere Yeah, yeah t- don't is. get caught <laughs> up hagg-
0: don't get caught up haggling for drugs just <laughs> pay the money and leave all yeah, right yeah exactly and uh, so you have
1: um what's your name jane um jane Byrne. jane the Byrne. Byrne. they go directly petition to her like hey this is a chicago based story it's Chicago centric. It's integral that we have Chicago be a ca-
0: I love that. You have the,
1: the city be the character. Chicago in it. truly
0: is a. I mean, I think that's a kind of a cliche at this point. People say a lot about New York, but I think Chicago truly is a character in this movie. And you really get a sense of that if you ever watch Blues Brothers 2000. The less said about it, the better. But, like, you can tell it's shot in Vancouver. You know, uh, that's yeah. not Chicago.
1: Yeah, yeah that's the shame. Yeah. And then you. So she agrees, and this is the first time. And it's amazing, too. You think about talking about excess. Of movies in the '70s, if you look at the practicality of a lot of the stuff they did, that you know nowadays would be all CGI. Like at the end when they're in Lower Wacker Drive underground, where you see that shows up again in The Dark Knight. Yes, when they're uh, the Joker, there's the the scene where they're going after the armored car, and the Joker's in the tractor trailer truck shooting. The bazookas down there It's like They wreck what 60 cars Cop cars at that uh, one point they, On that they, corner They wrecked a lot of you cars know, They're and going they would, real
0: speed They would shoot it on From what I understand They shot it on Sunday afternoons Which There was just nobody Because Chicago is more of an industrial yeah. city The downtown area on nobody Sunday, It was easier to shut it down Like I've been in downtown Chicago On a Sunday now There's no way They'd be able to I mean they probably could But it would certainly Not be as easy as it was And it's, it's 19, a movie It's in,
1: in the late 70s You're coming off movies Like Bullet Uh, uh Gone in 60 Seconds, Vanishing Point, 7-Ups, French Connection, these movies where you have these. Yeah, Yeah. so when you get to this, Landis wants
2: to outdo them all. Yeah. So he, I mean, it's amazing. He even even says that, like, we have to... Let's put pedestrians on the sidewalks. Because is, people are going to think we sped this up. They're yeah, going, no they're to going like 115 miles yeah, so per hour. They shoot it up twice. To they
1: shoot it once, and they would, it would would look cranked to the film. So they have to come back, put pedestrians. So you have like just perspective some, on how fast some they're kind going. Of point of reference. And so, then some of these scenes where you have some of my favorite shots in the movie are when they're towing the car, and you have the the camera on the hood looking at the two of them. It's a beautiful two shot. <laughs> And they're, like, going 120 miles an hour and Ackroyd's acting like he's driving. You see, like, you know, Belushi's hanging on. And yeah, behind yeah. him, all, I mean, it's so beautiful. And it's like, you know, we're definitely at Lower Wacker Drive. Well, I'm, my, insane.
0: My uncle, not the police officer, my Uncle Bob, he saw him shooting a little bit of the end of the movie. And uh, I think he actually said, like, you could tell Landis was a little unhinged. Like, he just, just get the shot, just get the shot. Like, and there's a lot of stunts going on, and he was just more I mean, it
2: seems it. like there are some movies you watch. I always joke around one of my favorite, uh, I mean, this is a real crazy fucking left turn here, but uh, <laughs> uh, one of my favorite Van Damme movies, Jean-Claude Van Damme <laughs>
0: Since movies, we're talking is, about Jean-Claude
1: Van Damme. Is
2: uh, Knock Off. Yeah. And it's, uh, I think it's directed by Sui Hark and it's got you know it's one of those it's in the era of like Rob Schneider as the comic relief
0: yeah, i don't know how he became the guy you know <laughs> for a year, year yeah, he wasbino in it uh, we have often
2: talking about trying to get on the show yeah
0: uh, but
2: when you watch that movie, you can see that just like stunts are going wrong, yeah, you know, and you're just like
0: somebody got killed making <laughs> this movie there's and there's, I mean, no, you know, and there's uh, no stories uh, about uh, anybody getting killed from the blue. And, uh, and if and I know if I know Chicago, they just covered that shit up. Well, right? you know,
1: there's there's the book that I that what I was looking at before called it's called Outrageous Conduct. Uh, oh um, yeah, it's the full title is Outrageous Conduct: Art, Ego, and the Twilight Zone Case by Stephen Fa- Faber and Mark Green, which we'll probably utilize when we do the Twilight Zone movie. And they talk about in the in the lead up to. This movie, there's certain things where since Landis had a hot head yeah. he didn't care what people would say, and he wanted certain ways that when they shoot in the Dixie Dixie Land
0: Mall, the Dixie, the uh, mall, oh, the uh, the Dixie, it's over in uh, Harvey. the The mall's on gone, but that's over yeah. in Harvey, Illinois, which is a south suburb suburb of Chicago. Um, or on uh, it's more urban, I would say. It sounds
2: cra- It seems crazy to me that like you, it's 1978, you get Dawn of the Dead. Mm-hmm. And it's like that must be one of those new indoor shopping centers. <laughs> yeah, and then just two years later, they find an abandoned mall. Like,
1: well, that uh, was been closed about a month or so. Yeah, the they, 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 whoever the company owned it went into bankruptcy, and uh, you know they talk about how crazy it was at the uh, you know at Chicago's Daily Plaza. Like I said, at Lower Wetter Drive. The, that's where my uncle saw
0: him shooting it down at Daily Plaza. You have
1: all those cop cars piling up on an intersection. You just think of the practicality of that. But then when they're shooting in this other the, the mall supposedly, from what people are saying, Cliff Wanger, uh, W-E-N-G-E-R, the special effects technician who worked on the film, Landis didn't want to take out any... It would be too expensive to go through the entire mall and take all the glass out <laughs> and put, sh- like, sugar glass yeah, or whatever. Yeah, and yeah. he said it also, he says, that it doesn't look right when it crumbles. So, supposedly, according to this book, they kept all the glass in, and they're like, they're su- only one stunt woman got cut. But yeah. they're surprised that, that no, nobody else got hurt. Well and When you watch that scene, I mean, people are just very, like, of, like organized chaos. Yeah. Like, or oh, when they're going, but you see, through,
2: like, Toys R Us. Well, even just, okay, like, just the destruction of the stores and the windows. But the fact that there are so many people, like, extras in the yeah, mall it's, 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 like, amazing it's crazy when you really to think, think about somebody it. didn't get killed well yeah. when they when
1: the car just when they're in, in an interior like a tours R us and the car comes barreling through the wall and you see people get barely getting out of the way and being slammed into the counters they're all
0: very lucky <laughs> yeah you know i mean I, I know that they're all
1: stump people you know but it's just yeah. you just think of the well, the some amount people of people get killed too you yeah know. you know um uh, and the the guy here cliff wanger we're talking about uh w-e-n-g-r he you know he his son, he's a powder guy. His own son became a powder man, and he was uh, killed doing one of the big explosions on Rambo. Oh man! You know, Sylvester Stallone. I don't know
2: if it's the. I think it's the first Rambo. Well, a, well, the only accident I know of the first one is a stunt driver. Okay, so broke, maybe it's Rambo too. During one of the like one of the chase scenes towards the beginning. Yeah, the other, but I think when they're chasing like Rambo on the on the on the motorcycle. On so the
1: they're plane. doing crazy stuff. Even here, they talk about the scene which they ended up deleting, but now they put back in. But the big contention when the movie came out was there's the gas station sequence where when they're leaving, the Twiggy helps them you know get the gas. Yes, yes, they yes, leave. Yes, yes. They ended up cutting out what, when they leave their, the 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 the, the uh, it's still the what do you call that? It's still plugged into the the the, the gas thing. Yeah, yeah. They pull out. They rip it off. They leave a line. They they light their cigarette. Throw it out. They cause oh, yeah, the gasoline g- blows up. Um, they wanted to use powder, and Landis is like, no, I want to use real dynamite. And this guy's <laughs> like, well, no, I mean. Powder is, you know, it's like for 20 grand, 25 grand, we can use black powder. It's going to cost $150,000 to use real dynamite. He's like, no, I still want the, I want the power. I want to feel it. And he's like, dynamite has this huge concussion that you have to worry about. And at the time there was a a church near it and the the neighborhood was worried about the church. The special effects guy goes, you know, you, there's, we could blow the church and Landis is like, I don't care. We're going to do it. They do it. There's not much of a difference visually, but the concussion blows out the church windows, (laughs) stained glass windows, pisses the whole neighborhood off. And then the scene ends up getting cut. And, yeah. you know, and it's one of these examples where Landis was kind of like, oh, I'm the, you know, I'm the studio gave him complete, complete control. And but this is stuff you end up seeing going on a couple years later when they get to the
0: Twilight Zone movie. Yeah. And is this is an episode life. of Saturday Night Movie Sleepovers. Let's round back to the beginning of the movie. Yeah. Because <laughs> we've already talked about the ending. Cause, uh, so we talked about the, in this, the industrialist. Like, so it opens up at... Uh, Juliet, Juliet which, which is, is a very famous
1: prison because blues guys, BB King Live of Cook County... Uh, the Great Blues album, where he plays Juliet President and Juliet, Juliet is—it's a beautiful looking prison. Looks like a it's castle. Still, it's
0: still there, yeah. but It's not in—they're a- actually going to do tours now. I just—oh, that that's awesome! On, I'd love uh, to do that. I uh, like—they yeah, do. Yeah. Um, God, I'm gonna—I'm gonna get in trouble from Chicago historians because there's—I think that's at Statesville. I believe, and they do a haunted house down there. Wow! Every year, that's supposed to be gangbusters.
2: Uh, Mike, we brought you in here because of your you don't, sh- you're you're in Chicago <laughs> knowledge. <laughs> we I want know. you to be uh, all you need is deep dish
0: pizza. <laughs> <laughs> deep
1: deep no, dish is don't not Chicago, don't Chicago don't pizza. Up pizza. Yeah, no, 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 no.
2: As I'm wearing my Frank Peppy shirt it. from New Haven, so we discussed in the f- in the Fright Night episode, the Mike explained that sh- Chicago pizza to him is much more like New
1: Haven pizza. Oh, the the, the, yeah. the cracker crust. Well so done. why is
2: she, like was taking another left-hand turn? <laughs> why why is uh, it's
1: tourist shit? The fucking probably shit one restaurant. Somebody marketed pizzeria Uno yeah. or, Giordano's, or something.
0: Giordano's is the the, the place for deep dish.
1: I have seen dog. some crazy stuff where you, how you guys eat a hot dog. I've seen some hot dog places in Chicago where you put like you cut the pickle, pickle laterally. Oh peppers, yeah, that's peppers, crazy. That's the only salts. way you can do it. <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> that's amazing. So it starts in Joliet, which is actually 45 minutes out of Chicago. Yeah, and actually probably closer to where Haddonfield would be if uh, to talk about Halloween. Not <laughs> And oh okay feel was a real town like <laughs> it's further south um like i said 45 minutes out of the south side of the city and which uh, is cook county there yes yeah yeah, yeah. um because like, that's the thing person. about blues brothers it's all like it's all over chicago that's awesome yeah. like because if you really if you like what i learned being in new york for the first time is kind of here like i always heard people talk about the village or talk about you know manhattan like actually seeing it and kind of understanding like from years of watching movies and television, like, oh, this is where this character was going, this is why this was a big deal to, to, to go that far. Like, yeah. oh, that's how far Brooklyn is from the rest <laughs> of New York.
2: Yeah. What what did we talk about, though the idea you know that it, we ha- we have an episode, an early episode where we talk about maybe it was must have been was must have been the Warriors. What's that? How like they're in Coney Island, so I mean, realistically, even though it's only a few miles away, it really is nineteen like, miles. It is, really like is, It, it really is like being on the other side of the and world. They're trying from to get Rook to the top of the Bronx,
1: of the Bronx. Yeah, yeah. yeah, which is like in the Westchester border. Uh, well,
2: even just like you know, there's stuff going on. Well,
1: those city gangs. It's like, that's the thing is, they never left their neighborhood. Yeah. So it's one thing you're gonna cross because of you know who knows of rivalry where like there's you know uh, Latino people over here, or African American people becomes very. Territorial.
2: territorial even if you're not any, like even me I think more so if you live in Manhattan I think if you live in an outer borough like Brooklyn for instance or Queens you usually have to commute to the city yeah. to Manhattan uh, for work and so that commute becomes kind of regular and so like Someone from the Brooklyn or Queens is more apt to maybe come to Manhattan to do something. But I live in like midtown Manhattan. And when there's like film stuff going on in Brooklyn, and it was like, what time is it? Brooklyn? Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm, <laughs> not, I'm not going to Brooklyn. That's and my problem. It, k- it kills me that like there's an Alamo draft house and the Nighthawk cinema. Like these cool things in Brooklyn. But it's like on either side of the moon. Because like, like, Everybody
0: li- should visit the Nighthawk. By um, the way. Yeah. I was there last night <laughs> 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 and I'm going there and I uh, give them a little plug. They do that. You the mean
2: th- tomorrow night after the sleepover? After the sleepover, <laughs> yeah. My mom's
0: <laughs> dropping me off at the movies and. Going to weigh out in the car. For <laughs> of because course, you don't want her in there. You don't want to <laughs> see no. this shit.
1: That's my problem because I'm coming from Westchester. It's like people are like, yeah, I'm going to BAM in Brooklyn, uh, Brooklyn Academy of Music, but yeah. they play movies and stuff. And I'm like, Brooklyn, I was like, you know, (laughs) mass transportation takes two hours, and if I drive, it could just be as long, so... Same
0: thing with north side versus south side of Chicago. Like, I live on the south side, and trying to get people to come down to my bar from the north side, like, you'd think they're asking for their firstborn, which, I mean, if anybody asks me for my firstborn, you can take them. Yeah,
1: that's the problem here with, you've brought up in a cast before, Blake, where it's like, you live on the west side in Hell's Kitchen, but to traverse laterally, east to west, whatever, there's hardly any mass transportation, so, you know. Yeah, I mean, just
2: now they have the east side like they're open finally after 50 years of try of digging that that subway now there's like a, a train on the, the east side the
0: L in Chicago you yeah. know the, which is you know the track that the Brothers are driving under which during which the final we said we say Kolchak and, and it's, and it's, and it's, it's and, uh,
1: planes, trains, and automobiles yep. it's, it's and a it's lot of these and then that's
2: where while uh, you were sleeping <laughs> <laughs> where <laughs> L Elf would up. Lives, yeah. Nice. yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. there's many different lines, but let me say, like the L's pretty okay. Your subway system here in New York is awesome. Like I, I figured it out pretty fast. Like, yeah, it, it's antiquated, but it's 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 it, and it's cool. Like it's yeah. very iconic. Yeah, well, I mean that's like, like a what what one two three. <laughs> it's like yeah. what we
2: did take a one two three, and we have the the Japanese. Uh, oh, like, tourist. The the, uh, the 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 trans authority, yeah. is yeah. coming to, to New York to see how it works. Yeah, I mean that. What just brought? We I said Elwood. We should I should know Go a little for. shout out that I used to have a dog named Elwood. Yeah, when Dalmatian. I met Blake, a Dalmatian. Named he was Elwood. my brother's dog. He yeah. named him Elwood after Elwood Blues. And uh, you know, as young adults often do, they get to a point where they're like, "Yeah, Mom, I can't take care of this dog anymore. I'm going to have to put it down if you don't take it."
0: Yeah, so wink we, wink, <laughs> yeah. And so we ended up taking That's how him. my parents end up with dogs because they're soft touches. And
2: it's so funny because my mom not that she hated dogs, but my mom had an incident when she was little where she was chased by a dog. Traumatized. And so she was always very scared of dogs. And so it was so crazy that my mom agreed to take in this Dalmatian, which is a big dog. And he was a big <laughs> Oh yeah. And yeah. he was a big Dalmatian. He yeah. was big for was a a sweetheart. Though. I mean he was the best. Yeah. But and he was so so good. My bro my brother had trained him really well so we got him trained and everything but so for the first couple of years he was my dog like i had to take care of him i had to get up early before i went to school and walk him and then by a couple years later he was my mom's
1: (laughs) but Elwood, would they always endear themselves it's funny because my parents we my parents were never dog people and someone in our building was giving a dog away and we we're trying to guilt and my parents like you know you like our dog so why don't you take this one and they were like oh we don't know can we have a little period of where we think about it we gave it to him and now you know my mom's out there every morning my dad's like i love this little guy you know my little my little sh- meatball oh, yeah. he calls
0: him and, you know like that it's so it's funny that it's just like you know they grow on people so they, oh, would, they start out in joliet has yeah. one of my favorite jokes for the whole movie from frank Oz, one prophylactic <laughs> unused one soil. Which <laughs> exactly. I love. And, and he I, holds it up with a pen. Yes. And I love that they kind of, the way they introduce the characters just with their their names. Oh, so the they come the out. Yeah, he, he, yeah, So he's finally released. He gets all his stuff back, goes outside, and, and he's waiting get, there. And we have the... Dun. She, da, caught, da, yeah, she da, caught the Katie intro. Da, yeah. Very iconic, and uh, they're driving, which uh, they have, the Bluesmobile is, according to Elwood, an old Mount Prospect police car. Yeah, it's a 1974 Dodge
1: Monaco. Oh, nice. Yeah, which was the hottest police car at the time. Dodge Monaco's were the shit if you were getting, you know, in the police car, so they say the lore is Elwood, since he's a motorhead, would know that. That's why he wants the Monaco. little
0: shout-out to a favorite Instagram account of mine, Chicago Bluesmobile. Yeah. Some guys got a 74 Monaco that it did up like the Blues. Mobile and uh, just takes pictures around Chicago, generally at, like, and like, at spots where this was where the, mall was. the yeah. mall was. And Mount Prospect I never understood the joke that they were practically giving the cars away. I didn't know if that was like, like a, a regional thing, but Mount Prospect is, su- is a suburb all the way on the, uh, the north end of the state like way out in the boonies there's a drive in up there where I saw Texas Chainsaw Man like it's still active yeah well, driving I miss like, drive so yeah. much Mount Prospect is way out there but it's uh, you know it's a Chicago suburb and I think one of my favorite musician jokes as I got older was when um he reveals that he traded the old blues... The old mother, caddy. The old caddy for a microphone. And he and says, the
1: caddy? You, you chose for a you know. And, like, and, oh, and yeah, he yeah, gets k- see
0: that. He gets, yeah, he gets like, yeah, I understand that. You probably needed that for a microphone. microphone. It's okay. Yeah, it makes and sense. Yeah. It's, it's such a great, you know, who I would love
1: to see, maybe have done it like fan fiction of backstories of, let's see the old caddy, if it was like a... You
0: yeah, know, why it isn't there, was there a Deville, Blues Brothers you know, uh, a cinematic universe? Yeah, I
2: feel like there should have been... A prequel. Like maybe instead of Blues Brothers 2000, we should have had like Blues Brothers 1970. Well, they wanted
1: to have them in it, you know, Ackroyd and all that still. You know, but the Monaco is, uh, it's a 74 and and they were big between 74 and 77 in the Royal Monaco's and the problem with it is that they're so scarce now. A lot of people are taking... Plymouth Grand Furies, which we talked about in the Christine oh, the podcast, Christine one, yeah. and then they're also taking Chrysler Newports, which I had a version of the Chrysler Fifth Avenue, mm-hmm. and they're converting them into Bluesmobiles, and even the Bluesmobile at Hollywood Universal Studios in Hollywood is a Dodge Coronet that they've transferred because it okay. looks, because the Monaco is so scarce now because of all these, plus because they were old police cars, but now yeah. all these
0: people are taking them. They like, want them for a Bluesmobile. Yeah, it's, it's like, like the, the Delo- Furies. Or like the DeLorean. Like, yeah. There's only, like, I, like, you guys were... Was it your podcast? I don't know. But like somebody was talking about that there's only like 20 of them around. Yeah, right? there's they <laughs> only had a certain number. They only made like 10,000 or 5,000 with the
1: DeLorean. So like you have these Mopars which we talked about in Christine, the the, the style of car, these C bodies. So there's no there's not a lot of Monacos around anymore. So that to find a good, you know. So it's great and I love the the whole mythos behind the Bluesmobile. It's such a nasty looking car. He gives all those stats. It's a cop car with cop shocks. You know, it has a uh what is it? The 440 uh, cubic inch, you know, it's the before catalytic cop converters, engine. you know, like that. And you know the scene they they deleted, but they put back in is where they park it in next to the power. generator. It's
0: like yeah. powering it up, and it's and supposed to give it like it's it's superhuman power. Not to get off too much, but it's like that's one of those things when that came when the Blues Brothers came out on DVD, it only had the extended, the extended, extended cut, yeah. and that's one of those things. Another great musician movie. Uh, that thing you do where like it's cool seeing that extended cut. But when you grew up, like, yeah, for, yeah. for me, knowing
1: like, it a certain way, like,
0: the cuts are jarring. And actually, I always say the truest way to watch. Blues Brothers. The version they should offer on Blu-ray mm-hmm. is the WGN Channel Nine <laughs> version <laughs> of with commercials, because yeah, that's yeah. where everybody saw the Blues Brothers growing up in Chicago. And when you f- you finally saw the uncut version, like you didn't realize how many curse words yeah. there were in it. But like the extended cut's cool because you get to see scenes like that, and you get yeah. to see that's, that's Elwood at his job. I agree. I mean, it's something. Like but the cuts are weird in the final musical number, like because there's extra stuff, yeah, and stuff in it. You know. It's jarring. And it's funny cuz some of my favorite
1: lines like God bless you sir like all that, you know, I love those from <laughs> the extended cu- it cuts, but yeah, it is it, i guess it's 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 they there's really should always be a negative both you they know? do now but that yeah, one was like in the early originally. days uh, TV. Uh, TV. tombstone the, that's cuz I, I like that when they added in but then i guess you have to like the cut in the movie for that
0: well you want both though it's yeah. like i mean it's not you to want get the into option. star wars yeah, it's like you just both. Yeah. do your special edition but it's mean, the fun theatrical. to see like you're saying
2: it's fun to yeah. see the extra stuff but sometimes you want to see it the way you remember yeah
1: and
0: and it's 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 cool how he's jimmy-rigged the car. If you look in the car... the bridge that they go over, that's on the south side of Chicago, I believe, right over by Lawrence Fisheries. It's, uh, that's in the south, like, south side Of the actual city Where they go over that bridge Oh to show company.
1: him, Yeah because yeah. uh,
0: Jake is pissed about him Trading the car yeah. t-
2: Piece yeah. of shit and he ch- Yeah his car's got some pep <laughs> After they do the stunt <laughs> Well they say Dan Aykroyd He went and he's the one He decorated the car The dashboard Because he's the yeah. and the And they had to have like How many cars they
1: had To make it So he had to make them All identical looking But it, you w- know? he's the one That put all the crap On the dashboard you
2: know. Specifically And
1: it's funny If you look at In the interior of the car You know Once they decommission A cop car And they take everything off of it they have to take the, the police radio out so they put a plate in it called radio delete where it's where the uh you know the cop the motorola whatever it is cb radio used to be they put a plate there <laughs> so you can't put anything there so what they did in the movie or you know elwood has supposedly done is he's taken the center vents out and that's where he's put the a-track player you know where the center vents uh, in the middle console okay. for the air conditioning would be that's where their their a-track player where they're listening to sam and dave on you know, so I, I love the Bluesmobile. You know, it's such an iconic, and people forget that. I mean, it's an iconic car up there. I think with the Delorean, with oh, uh, yeah. you know, especially General around Lee, Chicago, like it's you it's know,
0: great for me to talk to two New Yorkers about this because like Blues Mothers is just such a part of everybody in Chicago. I mean, yeah. probably about my age, maybe not so many younger people. You know, but like you watched it when it was on TV because there were like six channels. Anyway. <laughs> But, but like my grandparents loved with, yeah. it. My my parents saw it twice at the theater, and they the the story they always tell is that they saw a fist fight. Yeah, two yeah. people wow. got into a fight <laughs> in in the, in the lobby of the Blues Brothers. Or maybe that was the one where they said there were two people that wouldn't shut up during the movie, and then they went to see something else, and they're like the same two people were in the. goddamn I know it was <laughs> them too. So they got on their way over to meet. Uh, You're going back to the to, the orphanage, to the orphanage, orphanage to see where they uh, meet, uh, Mary Kath, What's Kathleen Freeman? Yeah, as wh- the penguin. What is her
1: is
2: sister Mary Stigmata? Stigmata, yeah. <laughs> now Kathleen <laughs> Freeman had been uh, a staple of Jerry Lewis's movies. Yeah, she was. He was like, I was just watching recently. They have the new season of like the Seinfeld uh, comedians in cars. And I guess they filmed one with Jerry Lewis just before he died. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have seen it. And uh, you know, Dianos, I'm a I'm a lifelong big Jerry Lewis fan. Are you French? <laughs> 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 and uh, and if we ever get to it, I would love to do King of Comedy at some point. We, we will. We'll movie. definitely. I'll idea. tell my Jerry Lewis story. <laughs> when we yeah, know. he's got <laughs> a Jerry Lewis story.
1: I have a Jerry Lewis story too, but
2: his is more interesting. But, uh Jerry Lew- uh, Jerry Seinfeld asks Jerry Lewis, like, how'd you find? Kathleen, how'd you find a Kathleen Freeman? How'd you find Kathleen Freeman? Because she became a staple of like all his movies. He's like, well, I needed a Kathleen Freeman, so I got her. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> <such> <laughs> That's a a story, right yeah. and, then yeah. and then they showed. You know, clips of, of them, you know, working together, and she was she she's was great. She the, to me the penguin.
1: She reminds me of there's an there's an old actress who you'd know if you saw her, Mary Wicks, who shows up in Father Dowling Mysteries, Chicago. <laughs> you know, and that's another you know Chicago esque town. Yeah, with Tom Bosley and what's her face, the sister Nancy Tracy Nelson, and that she's the right. she's the daughter of Ricky Nelson and the sister of the brother Nelson with the the hair. Th- yeah. Uh, but she is one of these actresses that probably have been around since the '40s or '50s. Or Mary Wicks was older '30s, '40s, '50s. But uh, the, what's her face here? Friedman is. She's been in tons of stuff, and she's got a great role as a sister here. And it's so funny because it's such a uh, you know they it's it's like they're doing. It's so weird they're are the rela- if you psychoanalyze their relationship or or the the characters in the movie like all they're doing is
0: just is like mayhem and destruction people are getting
1: killed around them yeah. you know but it's all okay imagine because, going because some, imagine some going to see this forget. thing and just yeah. being
0: like what the hell am I wa-? like what did I sign up for here you know I, I did uh, one of my favorite lines from that whole thing it's just a stupid line where I think uh, Jake's just like fuck this noise it's like it's <laughs> yeah, exactly. just a line that <laughs> yeah, 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 I, yeah I've, I've said it all all many times, life, so many times and like oh god I stole that from yeah. Blues Brothers well I mean. Let's see. I mean,
2: really, there's a couple of things. like I, You know, I'd love to talk about the musical aspect of the movie. But since we're talking about, like, Kathleen Freeman, I mean, I think it's worth mentioning, like, and it's a good segue, probably, into the musical aspect of the movie. And that, like, not, obviously, you got Dan Aykroyd and John Belushi. Uh, Top of their game, probably. But, like, mm. just a fantastic Oh, supporting cast. cast, like yeah. how did Cameos they all these and, people, and all these, you know? not just the musicians, but you got like a, just a weird. You got like Frank Oz, Steven Spielberg's in the yeah. movie, yeah. Oh, the unknown Paul William, uh, Paul Rubens at the
0: time. That's right. I yeah, because when I was a kid, that was a big deal. I was like, oh, there's Pee-wee. Yeah, P- why is Pee-wee there yeah. as a waiter? You know, and
2: you know, and the people, Major that are, Dad,
0: and yeah, Major Dad, yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and it's like all the people in the, you know, in the the band members,
0: yeah, are. They're a little stiff, a lot of them. I love, but them. also
2: like the, it's—they're good in it. Like only you know, exactly Tom Murphy is. good. I
0: love every line delivery he has in that movie. That guitar ahead, when it's like, yeah, they all pretty bad. Yeah, That's well, I, I love that,
2: a, that <laughs> when the,
1: the well, it, shut up woman. It's <laughs> only conscious. Of it. Don't you blast me? Don't you blast me? No, I'm only conscious of it in the end of think the dance number when you yeah, see yeah. them like. He's he's walking in time with her, and he's got this little smirk on his face, and he, you can tell he's trying to like keep up with her when yeah, go back yeah. forward. It, oh, she's gets great. Kind
0: of, yeah, you know, that's my favorite that's number in the movie. I think, my, agreed, that and agreed. the Cab Calloway number. I think it's like one of those moments where you're watching, like, holy shit, And then the, 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 co- made, the, the
1: choreography in that I, scene. Yeah. You see at some point
2: the camera comes to them, I, and, and that, they get up, and, and they, they do this. Sort of doing, doing, and yeah. then well, they sit back I, down after them. I think that's like the, I think if you were going to talk to somebody that, hasn't seen this movie for a while isn't as fanatical about this movie the one scene they'll remember from this movie is the
0: the Aretha Franklin scene it's got so many iconic moments it's got the where you find out four fried chickens and a coke and plain white toast, and I love that. Or the other joke Jake too, Hellwood. <laughs> the blues. The blues. I got two, two. What does he say? Two honkies out here dressed like acidic diamond merchants. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're from the FBI or
1: something. And then, <laughs> and then the other joke is like, we oh they may have a mean pepper steak or he. Goes I from the, they're
0: comparing the uh, the, yeah, the how bad from is the
1: Joliet? because then. He says, "All that he says, Julia had a mean pepper steak." And then later, when they go to the the blues, Bob's Blues Bunker, she goes, "We make a mean pepper steak." It's like, that's all right. (laughs) He says, "You know, there's a lot of like under the level jokes here."
2: A couple of years ago, um, for years, Clapton's been doing this, like. Crossroads Guitar Festival type deal That he's ra- he raises money For his Crossroads uh, Substance Abuse Clinic in Antigua It's going over like a decade
1: now right or maybe yeah, two I mean, I,
2: And I went the first one was not a, Like a festival it was a concert at Madison Square Garden and it was like Bob Dylan was there Shel Crow was There um, I went to that That was like in 1999 yeah uh, How and many then, times have you seen Clapton like, Oh right there are certain People like Clapton Billy Joel Uh
0: like, I don't I don't know, too many. <laughs> Double digits. If you Just, started counting them, yeah. you'd feel really, like, oh, yeah, I forgot about that yeah, time. Yeah. Well, right. even
2: like, you know, Dion knows, uh, a guy who we became, I became friends with, who Dion knows, I started as a fan, this jazz player named John Pizzarelli, and because he's a he's a New York guy, well, originally a, a Jersey guy, but, like, I've seen him... Well, nobody's perfect. ...like 50 times, you know? like yeah, I don't yeah. too many, who knows how many yeah. Also, the convenience
1: cool. that he plays, like, around the <laughs> block from you at the Birdland.
2: Uh, <laughs> but, uh... A couple of years ago, they he brought the guitar festival. Clapton, Clapton brought this guitar festival back to the Garden, and it was hosted by Dan Aykroyd.
0: Wow, who played? He kind of became like uh, the ambassador for the blues. Yeah, like him and uh, for better or worse, Jim Belushi.
1: Well, it was once a week he does this radio show on. I forget on Sirius or something I'm, where he plays Elwood Blues and. He I'm DJs. not sure he
2: does it anymore. He did it for a long time. He might still be doing it, but. Uh, it was hosted by Dan Aykroyd, and Dan Aykroyd played some, and it was a two-night event. Was he playing p- Elwood, or was he Dan No, he's Dan Aykroyd. P- He might have been dressed up as Elwood, but I don't think he was playing. He probably
0: dressed up as Elwood. I mean, that's like... Well, I, mean, I don't know. <laughs> but I have a, the but iconic th- look. Where girl. I'm
2: going with this story is that it was a two-night thing. I only went to the first night, uh, and it opened with Clapton doing... The whole thing opened with Clapton doing an acoustic set, and then closed the second night with Clapton doing an electric set. But the second act after Clapton doing a, an electric uh, the acoustic set was Booker T and th- basically the Blues Brothers band, with minus Doug Dunn, who had died, but it was Cropper. Oh, so, this is fairly recently then. Yeah, it was like uh, I 15 don't know. or 16. It was a couple years 16. ago. Um, when did we go to LA? You and I, 15, 14. Because that's when I bought the tickets. We, tickets no, went on sale. We,
1: we started this podcast in 14 and we went to LA before that. So, 13, either 13 or 14, we went to LA. So it was, that was our first
2: recording. But nonetheless, so I, had, I got. You got to see these cats. I got to see. It was, it was Booker T, you know, playing keyboards, who's not in this. Um, but it was Cropper. It was uh, McIntyre Murphy. Uh, it was Willie Hall on drums. Wow. It was. Uh, it, and honestly, like and the horns too blue blue and i'm trying Bound to think. Rubin. I think the horns were there too yeah. i can't remember i was going to see if i could find How about Schaefer? a clip of it online be, to uh, maybe to, re- to remind cause Schaefer wasn't there but it was like i got well, to see if you see, find a clip
1: we could put it as an extra in the podcast
2: <laughs> i was just, just to see if the horn section was there because i couldn't remember because they did like uh, you know they did the booker t stuff. they did yeah, like green onions, green onions and so. um but then some people I think Keb Mo came out and they did like Born Under a Bad Sign and uh but it was cool like to me that was the highlight of, yeah. the, of, the, yeah, the, yeah. of the show. Like even, even if I, even if had I gone to the second night, which I think would have been cool to see like Robbie Robertson and, and Keith Richards come out and play with Cobb and stuff, but still I think seeing that, for me like the highlight yeah, like, was, sure. was, was seeing well, like this, you,
1: essentially did, the blues brothers. Did I'm, I'm surprised you guys grow up or with didn't play with Harmonicana, you know I think. Did you guys grow
0: up with this movie?
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I didn't as much I didn't get into it as much until probably blake when we when we got to college this is one of the posters i remember blake putting on the wall is the iconic i forget which version but it's either them sitting on the hood or them together i remember growing up it was this thing for me where i knew it i i I wasn't i see it all the time on
0: tv i wasn't necessarily into the music there's a certain muscle memory sometimes when you watch like a movie that you've just kind of grew up with where you when you actually sit down and watch it instead of just catching it on cable like you pick things out you start realizing it kind of his friendship kind of
1: had me go revisit it and then fall in love with it the way I do now and I remember growing up going to the local CD store or music shop and then going through the posters and one of the posters would be the Blues Brothers either them sitting on the Cadillac or the, the Monaco in or in front of the
0: big uh, bridge yeah or yeah or the
1: something in the, the industry in the background yeah. and I remember always looking at that like thinking like oh that's not Dan, Ak- Dan Aykroyd and Belushi that's the Blues Brothers you know it's, you know, and then how yeah, big yeah. the Blues albums were yeah.
2: well so so, the soundtrack was big for me too yeah. I mean like I said my brother big my, one. my brother kind of introduced me to the movie, oddly enough, my brother kind of introduced me to the blues. Kind of, uh, for the most part, um, there was a time where you and I were going to talk about the soundtrack on, for something.
0: That was a podcast, another <laughs> podcast that never got off the ground. Yeah. For me. I mean, then, I did two episodes and said, "All right, that's enough. I'm done at this." And one.
1: then when when th- when it, this was released on DVD, the director's cut we were just speaking of, with that awesome documentary on it too. I was working at a video store at the time, so I would play the crap out of this on there and watch the documentary. And I then I got into the Downchild Blues band. And I was looking up all that stuff and all the other people and then I w- was also going through their discography the blues brothers the B- blues brothers and like all the different stuff they do hey bartender
0: mm. or um rubber the- biscuit was always a yeah, favorite yeah or what's of mine.
1: the one that's the slow one it's really um guilty great great yeah, ballad yeah. i love that song that's the you know a, a lot their whole set list is amazing so i've i've never was uh connected with it as much as blake did but then later in life you know my when i hit my 20s and was into the blues really deep into the blues at the time when we were in college together was was my was when i really was attracted to this um but it, the, the cameos in this movie are amazing yeah, So <laughs>
0: staying on target we get to our fir- we we'll get cab callaway yeah as well, curtis. I
1: Dress- curtis dressing up as they do so you would imply or infer that they got their style from him yeah
2: supposedly. well i think the, the the thing i you know i wanted to talk about is like it's i think our second musical yeah, I was going to say this is. It's important
1: to 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 note that this is a musical. I agree. Yeah, 100%. like
2: you know, I th- we did Willie Wonka rock, and the Chocolate Factory. It's
0: about blues, but we did and then we did
1: and then we did Grease. We did okay. So this is our you third know, and musical. And then we did. I don't know if you would call Dirty Dancing, but Dirty Dancing oh. has dance numbers. Yeah, but it's you know? not really a musical. No, like, but it's m- it's more skirt in the line. So the
2: beautiful thing about this movie is that like, and I think it was pretty much a goal of Landis was to like have every Kind of musical number yeah. you could have, which is There's, interesting. They've just breaking the song, like in the th- in think to further the or, plot. Uh, shake your tail feathers or whatever the the Ray or Ray Charles like, tune.
0: Yeah, or like, kind of almost like diegetic versus non diegetic, yeah. which you guys talk about on the show <laughs> quite a bit. Like you know, like when they go to that church, like in in that world of the movie, like that probably actually. Happened. Yeah, this Baptist right? church. Yeah, 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 yeah of yeah, course. Yeah. yeah.
2: Yeah. But then Led you. by al-
0: James <laughs> <fucking> <laughs> yeah, Brown, Brother James. You know? <laughs>
2: but then you also have performance numbers because yep. they're a band. Yes. So you have them at Bob's. Underground e- bunker. Country bunker. Yeah. Yeah. And then the scene the, at, the uh, the at the end. So uh, now, yes. There are dance numbers, clearly. You know, you have the Ray Charles scene and you have some of the dance stuff going on. What I love about the movie, and I don't know if I ever thought about it in this context until we watched it now, which is like, this organized chaos that you were talking about like the these chase scenes that are so crazy they're kind of like the big dance numbers yeah in the and movie these cars are like, are like the they're like the, yeah. the bubsy berkeley yeah or like <laughs>
1: the, the uh um, esther williams jumping in the pool and you're getting all these like you know st- the high shots of her coming out with the women around her it's like this is what instead in the 70s you're getting these insane car and when chases. you
2: don't have the actual musical numbers like in tense in the in in a in a Musical type sense, you get the, the music, big, you get like, like all this background. Sam always, and Dave's, c- oh, hold on, I'm coming, you know. Yeah. And then, you know, even when they're they they go down to see Curtis, Cab Calloway, you know, he's saying, You know, you're the one that introduced us to Elmore James. There's an Elmore James, James song, song on it, about yeah. in the background, you know, it's always constantly music, yeah. Uh, or and when they go into his little apartment and he's making his dinner on
1: toast well, they and you like they,
0: the Good Times Role plays. Yeah. Right? And they and have then that then, uh, on. You got my cheese whiz, boy. Classic line. <laughs> exactly. Uh when I was in high school, my buddy and I went as the That's Blues Brothers. That's a cameo
1: too, is a, it's a make old makeup guy.
0: We went as the Blues brothers and we went to like uh we were immature and we went to like a high school mixer. We were in high school, but we just didn't know what to do. It's that weird age where it's like, well, you know, you're you can't be, you know, we weren't going out drinking yet, but like we weren't trick or treating. So we went to this thing, we went to the Blues Brothers, and I bought Cheese Whiz. And somebody <laughs> said, You got my Cheese Whiz, boy. And he, he it was over the moon that I, I had and it for. And you him. threw it out at yeah.
1: And that's also, I, I've, I've, researching this movie, I've noticed that uh, someone brought this up that I always thought, too, there is a, I think it's Brian De Palma, did he do The Fury? Yes. Yeah. And another Chicago flick. Yeah, and it's there's with Kurt Douglas, which is a crazy movie, but there's a scene where he's hiding out and I think they shot it at the same motel or hotel. Yeah. There's an action sequence where he comes down the stairs, it's under the L train, you know yeah. what I mean? So it's like, "Oh, so Blake and I always talk about what's happening in other worlds. Like you know, it's blowout is the the, the celebration of the July Fourth in seventy six from and, Rocky. And, and yeah, and then it, it Rocky's happening at the same time. And, and you know, I think about that too. So oh, it's and then like it this w- is happening. Like Kurt, Tur- you should have Tur- Kurt Douglas running past them with guys yeah. while they're going up. You know?
2: <laughs> when we did uh, Slap Shot, I was like, this seems like the next town over is where like Romero's Martin took
0: place. <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah, <in> Pittsburgh. Yeah. <laughs> so we get James Brown. We get Cab Callaway and now they're on a mission to put. the Well, band I like back that. Together. The idea that like uh, t- it's a very know, loose plot.
1: Yeah, Elwood <laughs> L- is it, L- is very like yeah. The, 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 it's it's kind of well, implausible. I mean, if, you guys, if
2: you guys if you guys haven't seen this movie yet, one shame on you. Yeah. <laughs> How did you miss it? Two, uh, you know, the plot. I don't is think is there's the a lot of huge things to spoil on this no, movie. No, sa- there's an orphanage but that clearly they grew in. For the most part, we're not gonna be rehashing that scene. We by don't scene. need to. No.
1: you know, it's, it's just yeah, there's, there's a pl- the orphanage they grew up in is is, is in, in danger trouble. of tax. yeah, the city which is funny because you know, the, the, this is these are tax usually free these religious organizations. But they need to come up with $5,000 by like t- in 10 days or the orphanage is getting closed and they're going to kill the kids. I don't know what they're <laughs> going to they're going <gonna laughs> <gas laughs> right to the euthanize yeah. them out yeah. the back. Yeah, and then um, you know, in in curtis cap calloway's character who's probably the janitor or the, the custodian in the building he lives in the basement as well and you know he tells him the imp- impotence so Elwood what is you know they're like they're stuck with and it's funny because you think they have a life of crime they grew up on the wrong side of the law they make they break no bones about doing that they don't care and then they it's it's uh, Cab Calloway says you know You
0: need to go You need to go get to church, to church. So I love I him. ain't listening to no Jive talking preacher Yeah go go see what is his name A cle, cle, His name I is a cle- name. Or something he some he's It's got just some, James Brown Like as soon as he cut out it of It's yeah. three it's like James Brown is in this movie. And they and like, go to this church... That's probably the first real big cameo, I think. Yeah, aside movie, from Cab. Right? And, yeah. the, and
1: they get in there and then they start this number and I love the idea where like the light opens, the the sky opens, this light comes down to him and they have this epiphany. And you see the light. Again. What yeah. light? you're watching
0: this for the first time, like, what the hell movie have I watched? And you're like, we when you look back on it, you really think about it, you know. You no, know, as a kid, this scene had a
2: huge impact on me in terms of like memory. Yeah. You know, like I was saying, I think most people would probably say like oh I remember the Aretha Franklin Say for some reason this scene the light thing and then when you get to the part towards the end where like everybody's dancing you have like the people the guys flipping they're coming yeah. into the frame and they're leaving <laughs> the know, frame like, the, for the, me it was always and I was just like as a kid I was just like
1: what is going on was, in this I, movie? I've always tried to figure out what James Brown brother James is doing on stage he is sliding laterally in in, in suit shoes or what he dress shoes well, I don't understand how he's able to James you know, I, how he's I, able to do stuff like I that I love
0: the guy little guy guy with glasses that introduces him oh yeah before yeah. he goes <laughs> up there I can't I, I can't remember what he says but it's just like in. this movie has so many of my favorite like not even side characters just weird little cameos that growing up like my friends and I like when you got to be older and you're like oh you noticed that guy too yeah the little guy who introduced James Brown the saddest character in any movie in history. The guy at Bob's Country Bunker, oh, who's, crying. who's wearing the cat, the Caterpillar hat, <laughs> yeah, and he, like, and he's, he's hard and to be a woman, and he's, he's got a little tear. And the guy who smiles really big and is doing the chicken dance out in front of. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. oh yeah. For
1: yeah. me, it's the little girl. There's a little girl with long hair who's doing it in sync too. Yeah, I love how she is. And I hear Shaka Khan has a cameo. Well, yeah, in, I was in, gonna
2: say there's a like, you could they, there's, there's another, another layer they of cameo cutting during the James Brown scene when they cut to the choir. There's always, like, one woman, like, highlighted in the shot. And I was going to say, it looks like it's Chaka
0: Khan. Just like in I the... Think it, I think you're 100% right. Yeah, and yeah, and yeah. then
2: I think at the end, I'm not positive about this. I didn't do my research enough because we just watched the movie before yeah. we started. So I didn't look it up. But when they're at the end, when they're in jail... It's Joe Walsh. It's Joe Walsh. Yeah, it's, it's Joe Walsh. No, oh, yeah, it, no, the first one I said. was like, <laughs> is that Joe Walsh? He's the first
1: one to get up and start dancing. Yeah, yeah, yeah I was
2: is. like, I think, I think that's Joe no, it's Walsh. It's so weird
1: because so you have cameos, top tier cameos of people like James Brown and Brother Ray and all these people. Then you have these second tier cameos which are Shaka Khan, Joe Walsh. There's another there's a couple other people that yeah. they have that they just slip in there, and I if you mean, don't know, Ray,
0: Ray, Ray Charles probably has my favorite joke of the entire movie. Black no, I like that one. <laughs> that's, that's my that's my favorite line <laughs> when he hangs it up upside, upside down. down. Yes, yes, yes. And I always I wonder if they told Ray that that's what they were doing. <laughs> I'm th- yeah. Or did they say Ray just hang this up? Well, here's yeah. the
2: you know here's the thing. It was like they decided like who they wanted, who of these. Artists they wanted to have in the movie, yeah. and this was another instance where we we're talking earlier. They reintroduced music. The Blues Brothers reintroduced this kind of like rhythm of blues soul music to a whole new generation. You, the the way they were. It's, Easily able to get all these people, it was like they were r- brushing the they dust off anything. of these. Yeah, people. yeah.
1: Then James Brown was doing a lot of scoring in the seventies. He had a little thing, but aside from that, Ray Charles had some hits. But nobody Ray else Charles was like still big. Yeah, yeah. Nobody Ray else was. Of never went they were they were big but. within their circuits, but. And then the studio was even like trying to get them to put like uh, what's her name, uh, Royce, the girl who did car wash, because that was Rose big. Royce. Yeah, so they're like we want contemporary, do some disco numbers and, yeah. and Landis. Don't you guys,
0: do you guys ever wear jumpsuits like uh, Mitch <laughs> Ryder and <the> Detroit Wheels? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, well, they, I think that's what he says. Well, even
2: they say when Blue Landis, Landis, Landis talks about when they went into because they recorded the songs ahead of time. And most people...
0: They most probably of, played him on the set, I'm guessing. Yeah, but even... but like, back But James
2: Brown, they couldn't really do that with. So what <laughs> they did is they had the recording of the backing. I,
0: imagine, I can imagine James Brown being a little bit
2: difficult. They had a backing track for James Brown, and James Brown actually sang it live. And yes, so, I hit, yeah. So they're recording. But when they wanted... They tried to get Cab Calloway to come in and do it, and Cab was it's like... It's a very interesting story with he's Cab. He's like... They wanted him to do it like he did, you know, like Big Band. Old yeah, style style back ca- in the in club. And he was like, this is how it was done 50 years ago. Like, I, I don't want to do it this way. He, he, just had had, he had now had, like, a disco version <laughs> of it. So and he version. came in to do a
1: disco version of it. He had done every genre, and then they said no. So he got really pissed. Oh, I didn't, know, I didn't even know that. So he know. did one take, and, it, and then when they were done, he
2: came over, and what's he was like, like, how's that? And he's like, well. Landis. He, yeah. And, and Landis was like, honestly, honestly, like, it's kind of mediocre. Like and, he it's goes, not great? and he goes, what do you mean? And
1: he goes, well, you're Cap Calloway. You're great. We want great from you, not mediocre. So he, he goes, well, you sh-, and Cab was pissed. And He's like, oh, well, if you
2: want a great, you should have told me you want a great. Yeah, goes
1: back, <laughs> does a second take, which is the take they use in the movie, <laughs> and then he goes, how was that? So And, and, and Cab... He, and,
2: and, and, and Landis was like, it was great.
1: And then Cab's like, well, then, good. That's You just need to tell him what you want. Threw the headset off and left
0: and was pissed. That sequence in that movie... I didn't understand it till I got older that they weren't actually dressed like that yeah, yeah. on I, the stage e- at that, that point. That is my until favorite. Until that cutaway, and you don't notice it until you're older, because like, you, you know, like that muscle memory. You're just watching this movie. You're like, yeah. oh, that's just like, in. I'm assuming, in Curtis's head. No, like, I, that's I see. How he I think it's more
1: it. like the God intervention, divine intervention here. Me growing up, I oddly enough, maybe you t- boys as well, I knew Cap Calloway because he was doing stuff on Sesame Street he would come out and he'd do big band stuff where he's like, he is number one. And then he'd have like oh a no, the big band that. and he'd have like the, the, uh, the what do you call those? Yeah, those long coattails? To tail? Yeah. <laughs> it was
3: like, it sounds like
1: bullshit. <laughs> yeah, <it's>, yeah, <laughs> this is bullshit. So I knew him from there and it's, and you know, he's in that classic with the long tail, whatever you call the coattails like and stuff. Suit, yeah. suit yeah. kind of you thing. Know? So when you have, like he's like hit it, they open up and suddenly it, for me I feel like it's like, it's divine. They're in this beautiful suits. They're I like, like they have the whole swing Traditional but swing even orchestra. I think
2: even even if it even if we went with the concept
0: that like this is in Cab Calloway's head, it's still a, kind of a beautiful yeah, yeah. It's it's like, sentiment because he probably never got to perform like that. Yeah, yeah, he he never, like, yeah exactly. He well, never. I'm just realizing that. this all right now. I'm like, wow, it's you know, and that's and pretty then at great.
1: The end, yeah, at the end, it's almost they get this uh, huge standing ovation, and then you know they they bow, they bow again, and then all of a sudden he's back in the Blues Brothers outfit, it's yeah. and they're yeah. back. They've like
0: lost. They've almost had that until midnight, like the Cinderella. They had the, the power. So you I, know. I would say maybe one of the centerpiece. Of this movie, and I think particularly for musicians, is when they show up at Bob's Country Bunker, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, so many great. We lines. got both kinds: country and western, <laughs> country and western. And um, it's just so funny. Like you talk about being a musician, like how instantly quotable this movie is for anybody who's ever been in a band before. And um, sorry, we didn't know the old "Wreck of the 97," which is a great song, by the way. Well, I, that's what, here's uh, here's a question I I always ask. What the hell did they play for the rest of the night? <laughs> and how exactly how late were the good old boys? Well, you know what? Did <laughs> they do? A, <laughs> did they do a two hour set of Stand by Your Man? Well, let's
1: see. I can. I'll answer that by offering another question: Like, how many songs did they actually perform at the end of the movie? They do. They come well, yeah. on. They do Sweet Home Chicago. Are we supposed to understand they've done an entire set, or are we supposed to think that? I, I think, think they. they cut I think out they early. took.
0: Well, what, yeah, they, they've already got paid. I figured it out. Like. They raised enough money for the orphanage by filling the house, and I yep. think they charged people $2 a ticket is the math I once figured out yeah. in my head. Yeah, so then it's like... And you know, that's how you know you're in a movie, because there's no way you'd get that many people out on a Thursday night, and I think I figured out in... So- oh, because of the the tanker truck is late at the gas station, so I figured that's a thir- that's Thirsty Thursday, Thursday. Yep. they got everybody out by driving all over the city of Chicago. Yeah, driving on the beach. Getting the air horn. And I the think they charged $2 a head, and they filled that place. So I don't And they played two songs and left.
1: And they did another scene. They say that they uh, – I'm a, I'm a, actually kind of a fan of Johnny Horton, too, an old country guy yeah. f- uh, from the 50s and 60s. And they do. They did – he has a very famous song, Sink to Bismarck. They recorded a version of that that they cut out, but then they've lost the footage to. So evidently – it's funny when they start playing like uh, – what are they playing? Dan da, 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 da. no, no, but they no. start with um, – I forget what they start with, and then he's like, "This ain't Hank Williams." He turns everything off, and then they no. start. Those
0: with... lights are off on purpose.
1: <laughs> and it's funny this, but I love, and this is from the deleted scene too. He's like, "Here are the songs you're gonna play," and I love that joke. where He walks away, and I think it's Blue still sta- sitting there looking at the song, the suggested song
2: list. That might be an extended. But, That's what I'm, it's the extended. But line.
0: I also do believe that they were probably that type, uh, you know, a rhythm section, power that they up knew. Turn Good country on, key. Uh, <laughs> goat piss in the gasoline yeah. as. Uh, duck says says that they could probably just fake country songs because it's a good country. That's what they must
1: have done. I mean, and it's funny because even Jake's a little pissed off. They start with Rawhide and he's sitting there like, you could tell he's a little pissed that they're doing this. It's funny.
2: I don't know if I ever read it as that he was pissed in that or that he was like taking
1: the The character. Oh, I thought he was like a little like And then he gets into it right up. up, Then he, you know, go gets the, you know, the whip off the thing. And then I love that the, it's funny, the cutaways, the glamour montages, like, you know, where it's like you get the beauty shot of the guys playing pool and it's like on a dolly as they go by (laughs) and everyone's dancing like it's a good, like it's a good montage, you know, and to the guy just crying. I want
0: to talk very briefly about, um, I mean, the Illinois Nazi scene. Which is a classic. Henry yeah. Gibson as the head of Yeah, and
1: people love him because, uh, you know, Charlotte's Web, he's, uh, what's his face? From the, car, from the cartoon movie. I cartoon movie. He's uh I is that I why people love, that love him? <laughs> yeah, that's how I knew him. I mean, aside from the burbs, I knew, I him, knew him from, but I he, was I La- probably, he was in Laughing. Laughing. laugh, laugh-, 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 laugh- yeah, yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah, but for I, <laughs> our generation, I knew him as the voice of the pig. What's the pig's name? Wilbur. Wilbur. He's
0: Wilbur. That was shot in Marquette Park, which is on Chicago's south side over by Midway Airport. Um, on the Marquette Park Lagoon, and that's where my mom grew up, that's where my grandfather who was CPD, Tom McGimney, he lived there, and I didn't realize this until a lot of year ago, that the reason they shot that in Marquette Park was that they had a white supremacist headquarters like down the street. Yeah. So that was kind of, you know, regional humor, I guess, in a and way. There was in like, the mid-70s,
1: there's this big dust-up where these Nazis wanted to uh, March they, they wanted
0: Marquette park to stay white
1: yeah they wouldn't get the they couldn't get the permits so they they filed a petition to like the supreme court and they were granted you have the right to protest so and that was a big thing which is funny because I remember in the late eighties in central Connecticut I'm um, from the coastline there was Nazis that wanted to so there was another thing where they wanted to it's let so them protest weird, like you know KKK
0: I revisiting
2: I mean. a lot of
1: this you know, stuff. that and that was the joke where I hate Illinois Nazis because <laughs> people knew the inside <laughs> joke life. is who?
0: The, those bums won their court case that are marching today who the Fucking Nazi party I hate the Illinois Nazis The Jew is using The black as muscle The
1: Jew is using Or I like And he's a Catholic Yeah <laughs> 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 I love that line
2: too you know? <laughs> But it's so weird How Even what Like even when we were doing Fucking Star Trek 6 How like Still It's like every, Elder Prejudice Everything is fu- Nothing's uh, changed in 30, 40 years. It's still timely. Yeah. Or so so f- in 400 years, whenever Star Trek
1: takes place, yeah. they hate the Klingons. <laughs> you know, yeah, so the Illinois Texas are amazing, and then I love the Pinto, and then, or the, the Wrigley Field <laughs> as the address, you oh, know, 1060 West, That's
0: how I knew Wrigley Field's you know, address growing up, because it's 1060 West Addison. You know? yeah, like, he he I'm a South Sider, but we too, so technically th- I should know about the Sox. Even <laughs>
2: back to, like, the hotel, and I think we were talking... I don't know, this came up recently. Maybe it was... Uh, taking Pell One, Two, Three, just in terms of like movie location being in a living in New York and watching these New York movies oh and how real yeah it is at the but end you, of the
1: movie with Martin Balsam the realistic of
0: his but
2: voice even like just this idea of like these men like ho- male hotels yeah You know, oh, yeah. Some, yeah. I the like,
0: signs are still up around New York and I'm that, sure or, I, I'm sorry around Chicago and I'm sure there, there's got to be a senior I, like, I was just watching Basket Case ah, oh. Frank do. he was yes. up at Fantasia he was sitting at the bar next to me
2: <laughs> and like they live in like one of these or, or you know or Terminator you know, oh, yeah, where he's, the like, sleazy. a dead or what? <laughs> you know, like, I kind of miss. <laughs> Fuck you, well, asshole. Well, because at the time... I, never, I kind of regret that I never it, got to live in one of these. It's, it's just, weird, just for a minute, you know? Weird, of course, it's probably t- like the grindhouses. It's <laughs> <laughs>
0: probably... We're romanticizing <laughs> something that was I'm actually... I'm sure it and wasn't And even we really talked shitty. about
1: in... Um, in uh, uh, what's, what's his face? Doc Hopper. Um, Charles Durning in... Dark Knight of the Scarecrow. He's living in a man. Do your do your Carol turning like, impersonation. I'm Dark Oliver. <laughs> <laughs> hey there, little boy. I love well, it. He's
2: living in like a boarding house. Yeah, well, yeah. that's a, it's like the same a kind of a version thing of that. Where yeah. it's
1: like, yeah, you have like a, a, a land a, a lady who, who makes your breakfast or whatever, and in these hotels, I guess because. It's not. I think it was just they don't want to have any women there because of well, then you, get the, they,
0: you get the opposite end of the spectrum. I think you, they you, were to bring you, so you could bring in prostitutes without being well, yeah, judged too, yeah. get, yeah. probably probably. You, you
2: get the other end of the spectrum. You get the bosom buddies. Yeah, all have to is that they need a place to stay, so and they, they got to dress up, up as women
0: and <laughs> live in the women's. Or like Freeze Company, like most have. women I know have a male roommate these days, but it was just unheard of in <laughs> 1979. That. So he's got to like be a, with a
1: homosexual in yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, to be yeah. A yeah with uh, yeah. Uh, what's his face,
0: uh, Roman Roper fell. you know, Roman fell great bullet. I can never tell who I like better. Not to get on a Freeze Company there. I love Furley, and I love. There's they're two different animals, <laughs> but like yeah, <laughs> it's
1: j- just as good. They talk about what, with um, Don Knotts. They would never tell the cast beforehand what he was going to wear so when he makes when he makes an appearance they open the door he would be in this it looked like the holiday inn and, you know, <laughs> and then he couldn't see either because he had bad eyes so he had have these thick glasses on he'd be like hey you know um, but yeah, it's a different era where you have those like men only. You know, and you're you only rent in that house in that place. You're getting a room, and you even have the phones probably in the hall. Yeah, the I bath mean. is in the hall. The well, bathroom even, like
2: staying alive. You know, yeah. like, he lives upstairs, and he's getting like a call for auditions, and it's on the payphone downstairs. You gotta like run
0: down. <laughs> yeah, but you know, like... it,
1: see, that's the the era you don't have those. I mean, you, you may still have them, but they've done away with a lot of those rooms for rent. No, you, you don't know what see I mean a yeah. Lot you of know, it. now it's like now it's people here, don't, now it's
0: Airbnb. Yeah,
1: people don't live. Week to week or month to month in a a hotel Like a lot of times the old days you know you have a house detective In a hotel but then people like I'm staying at the (laughs) Bismarcky you know I'm monthly there You know that was okay to live perpetually Like Telly Savalas when he moved to LA (laughs) He lived I forget what hotel
0: It was for 20 years until he died because you know You can afford it it's room service you don't have to clean anything up Uh, This is one of the first movies where I noticed And kind of figured out The see you next Wednesday joke Uh guys familiar With this from John Landis movies Yes, because
1: yeah. that became his gag it, it was a gag. script
0: that he wrote And it's uh, the porno, pornographic movie In American World in London It's uh, a romance novel In Trading Places And it's the, the, it looks like it's a mo- movie about a big monkey On a skyscraper, speaking yeah. of New York Because that's where the state police Are hiding out behind um, When they're leaving Bob's Country Bunker that's uh and you have also
1: we have John Candy and this is probably oh, before you yeah. kind of blew Candy. up a little bit three orange whips or, and that's another thing for years people didn't know what orange whips are an orange whip is evidently a drink and also the the people who were catering the thing uh, the daughter was working on the set so they asked him to include that and he improvised that line orange
0: whip orange whip three orange whips I I I tend bar at I tend to bar at Riot Fest last year I'm doing it again this year uh, you uh, you could tell us what's in an so orange what's whip what's in an orange well, whip I don't Mike. I I, I <laughs> God damn I by, it! What are you? I know, <laughs> but we, I was gonna talk about this beer. They have uh, All Rise oh, Brewing yeah. has a beer called Three Orange Wit, oh. and it's got John. Can- the label has John Candy in the you know doing that. I love that little when he points at uh, Jake, and Jake just gives him that look back, like, why are you pointing at me? Yeah, and he's like,
1: yeah, you know, and, and, and <laughs> I don't think John, another John Caney Canadian, probably from Second City or SCTV. Oh, yeah. So he probably, for me, I feel like John Caney really hit the scene with Splash when that blew up in, like, 85. became, like, a household name, so it's like you have him in there. You have Carrie Fisher, great. What um, a great role you know? for, Car- and it's, for Carrie Fisher. Coming, like, of,
2: coming off of Star Wars.
1: And I feel like, like her role is kind of, like, very... Relevant nowadays Where she's just This really white Not white Sorry Really rich <laughs> uh,
3: She's,
2: you know, very, white.
1: she's, she's very, very white She is very she's just, white Just just rich bitch Who you know Is used to getting Her way with everything And she doesn't She, She's buying although, All this
0: surplus Although she
2: works In a salon You know so. yeah, no, But I think She owns a salon
0: I think it's her Like her parents think You know that, And that's like One of those things I love about this movie There's so many Just like there's so much going on, She's like blowing him you up. forget about time, Carrie yeah. Fisher for a minute, yeah. yeah and yeah, then, then comes Carrie back. Fisher shows up again, or a missile launcher, an M sixteen, even Twiggy. Uh, like after you know, she Elwood says he'll oh, meet me at the hotel. Like as they're leaving town, because uh, I assume. The the Hotel Palace Ballroom, I believe, is actually in Wisconsin. Yeah. But I always kind of imagined it was in the Blues Brothers universe. Like, maybe it was in Wisconsin, but on the, well, no, it would probably be on the, uh, like, north side of the city. So, but she's waiting at the hotel for Elwood. Like, you almost forget about it. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's, it's a great show away joke. Yeah,
1: Yeah. that she she was waiting for him that night and they could have, like, you know, that's really nice.
0: Poor Elwood. Yeah. Twiggy? All
2: right. (laughs) Well, as a kid. The fact that like Princess Leia was in this movie, Oh, like, absolutely. I had never seen her in anything else.
1: Yeah, and she's gorgeous you know? <laughs> looking because she's out of context as Princess Leia. what? Yeah, like, yeah, I just
2: remember that was always like like I remember like for the first singer for
0: the first time, I'm like right. Princess Leia. Who, who, <laughs> same who, same who, thing.
1: Same who knew thing that her and Dan Aykroyd became an item and were
0: engaged for a minute. Yeah, I, because I, of this, I, I didn't know that. I I I, I didn't know until you know, uh, when she passed away Spend when I was reading those obituaries. Back to
2: Booz and Buddies, he married the the blonde from Booz and Buddies,
3: Aykroyd.
1: Yeah, it's so amazing, and I mean you have so many other f- cameos i mean we talked about bob from Bob's. he's jeff morris who's also in kelly's heroes charles napier charles napier with a no
0: smile teeth. like teeth, <laughs> smile because now that to speak of the, the television version like you're gonna you're gonna look pretty funny eating corn on the cob with no teeth <laughs> like because they always just <laughs> take he out was the in a, we'll, we'll talk to bob he's in a very he's
2: <laughs> in one of the hokier episodes of star trek the original star trek is he's in the hippie episode of star trek Na- napier. and of course he's in First Blood Part Two. Somebody
1: once described him as having a smile like (laughs) John. Yeah, he's he's got a weird look. I, when I was little, I used to get him confused with uh, uh, what's her face Uh, Juliet um, from Cape Fear. Juliet Lewis. Juliet Lewis's father. You know who he is. He's an he's a character Al Lewis. Okay. No, no, He's a character. Actor. <laughs> he's the guy in the um Eastwood movies, left-hand turn
0: Clyde. He's oh, the guy yeah, that yeah, guy. Yeah, that's yeah. that's her father. I used to get them mixed up. Yeah, so I mean it's, it, and as a musician like it's instantly quotable. Like, I mean, how many times have you been at a gig and somebody says Chicken wire, <laughs> or like the whole thing about the well, you know, the barmaid, you know, only charged us for the first round. I mean, it's like, and then, uh, yeah, we, we said John Lee Hooker shows up there. We're the extended th- scene with John Lee Hooker I boom is boom boom absolutely boom. with <laughs> Pine Perkins, which so that band is where probably the whole f- Muddy Waters back band, where they're fighting out in front of now that I was on Taylor Street, <laughs> yeah, which was you know, a big area like that. Uh, and I love that montage. You see, like, it's blues tapes, funk tapes, and blue and gospel, it's no longer there, like, that's a part of Chicago history long gone, but like, like, Taylor Street is where you'd go get, like, all sorts of anything you wanted, you know? Yeah. And, and then then the great, you can still get the great, or no, that's not Taylor Street, it's Maxwell Street.
2: Johnny Hooker's one of those guys that, you know, being a, a pretty much like a lifelong blues fan, I got into the blues maybe when I was like in junior high. You know, I always joke that, like, when my friends were listening to, you know, Stone Temple Pilots and Nirvana, like, I was listening to Robert
0: Johnson's complete, like, recording. <laughs> That's when I was into A.M. Pop and Meatloaf and the Rocky Horror Picture yeah. Show. So. Uh,
2: well, you, s- you, we, you, you and I had a
0: very s- similar, although
1: I listened to the grunge at the time. Yeah, so.
2: but it's just so, being someone who got into it, it's, it's it's tragic. Like, I always feel, and someone that goes to a lot of concerts. Like, I was just ha- talking to my brother recently it was like I've been to more like shows I go to more shows like in a year than you know some people go to, like well, concerts sure. in a lifetime yeah. not, not even count the ones that I play but like you know, I w- my brother h- got to see John the Hooker a couple of times. I always felt like, ah, oh, man, like I always regret that I never got to see John the Hooker. I got to see as many of the greats as I could. I w- saw a great show with uh, Howlin' Wolf's guitar player, Herbert Sumlin, yeah. with David Johansson on <laughs> <The> vocals. Awesome. <laughs> and uh, fr- Buster Poindexter himself.
0: That <laughs> you, Santa Claus. When I found out there was the same guy in the a- like I was like, wait a minute. Talk, he's I from the, the dark side, as- isn't he?
1: He's the mobster. He's from yes. Tales Tales of Dark Side, the movie, yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. But I knew him as Buster Poindexter yeah. first. Yeah, uh, so it I, uh, yeah. He's uh, in David Scrooge, he's in Scrooge
1: for the taxi driver and stuff. He's and he's from the New York Dolls. Yes. Yeah, that's the bandwidth, because um, I know the guy, Nelson, <coughs> his guitar player, uh, works at my day job. It's, there's
2: so many cameos in this. It's just so... I just remember watching, probably in the late 80s, early 90s, and it was a tape that I had even when we were at college, where it was like... Uh, I guess it was it was the Rolling Stones live in Atlantic City and the, they aired it on television and it was a big deal that they were going to have you could get 3D glasses
0: and oh, from, the, from the Rite Aid or or like something. the Wawa or and something you, yeah, yeah, you yeah you, you go could to the watch local market. it yeah. and you
2: could watch it you know there was a 3D sequence but John Lee Hooker comes out and plays and i just remember watching that for the first time while my brother taped it dion has seen that exact tape i have seen that <laughs> exact tape. And john lee hooker came out and i remember being like kind of amazed and maybe my brother pointing out that that was the guy from the blues brothers because this is like 10 years later yeah and you know we called our grandfather on my mom's side pop-up and uh and he's like, this would be like if Pop Up was on stage, you know, like because they're like <laughs> the same age and yeah. being like. So every time I see John Lee Hooker, I think of my grandfather. <laughs> oh, that's, some, that's And, pretty, theory, yeah. and also, there is a certain quality, like they do share a certain they quality a look, as as yeah. my my grandfather and John Lee Hooker. So now, like I have this like weird like heartfelt <laughs> every time you see John like, Lee like, admiration the... for John Lee Hooker because uh, when I see John Lee Hooker and per like see him on like footage of him I think of my grandfather,
1: <laughs> and he had like a stutter that he had overcome to, to, to perform and stuff and I mean he's he, people know him he did the uh, one shot one bourbon one beer uh, yeah I love the the song I'm bad is just a jam
0: not Jesse yeah. James, just a James. <laughs> boom, boom,
2: boom, boom. Which is That's what he
0: does in *Blues It uh, is a great soundtrack all the way through. It, like, there's not a clunker on. Not all of
2: it's on the on
0: the soundtrack. No, though, no. Right? The soundtrack's no. actually kind of sparse, but like the actual soundtrack. And like, they're not was the same one all. Like, I like
1: "Boom, Boom, Boom" the version of the movie, and it's not the same on the soundtrack.
0: Yeah,
2: you know, yeah. I, uh, there's I, another one that's kind that. of weird. I did it live Yeah, I think the band played a lot. John
1: Lee did it live, and James recorded. James Brown recorded a lot. Everybody else sang the track.
2: An and extended d- version I thought they did
1: They may have They might have by then And that was the problem They talked about with Aretha
0: Franklin Didn't, These people Because the version th- In the movie of Think Is definitely different Than the one you normally hear Yeah Like on the yeah, radio yeah, If yeah. you ever do they hear re- that They re- re-recorded radio. But a lot of these They never the, sing it
1: The same way twice So they had problems Singing the playback Yeah, yeah. Ray they Charles probably, could do They probably do wanted it. To
2: re-record all
0: these songs With the Blues Brothers band
3: Yeah,
1: yeah. They're
0: yeah. backing them up Um. Right, the, the Ray Charles musical number Just uh, I had to talk about it Because I love like The scope of that, like, think's probably the most memorable, but like, it's just so big and so cool. Oh, with the outside, you got and everything they going on and outside. It's so And They said when they were filming and they had to act like it's summertime. So you all these extras freezing their asses <laughs> <laughs> as off. So oh, that's still there. That building's still there. Oh wow, that's great. amazing. You can uh, they do a, they do a Blues Brothers tour? Uh, it's I like think. muddy waters and people still drawing on the building. Yeah, or? I, th- I believe so. That's awesome. Yeah, I had I, when I found out it was still there. It was one of those. Oh, I should make a. Pilgrimage over yeah, there to yeah, go sure. check it out, but they take they do a bus tour in Chicago where they take you by a lot of the locations, but you can't do all of them because yeah. like some of it's in Harvey, yeah, some of it's out in the burbs, yeah. some of it's, they some of it's not sh- there anymore, some
2: of it's also. In LA, I don't know about the exterior. Yeah. There are some of when you look at it, like is this on a back? Or even <laughs> even
1: the when they when the Pinto goes off the, the freeway, that's in Milwaukee. Yeah, and you could see the Milwaukee skyline, a couple buildings, you know. Yes. And, they, and the funny thing where they said they had to take six Pintos, they had to drop it twice because the FAA FAA was worried that the car wouldn't fall straight down. <laughs> so They had to test drop it <laughs> to imagine, get a certificate. Imagine a another exists, You know, imagine <laughs> a
0: time in history where you if you wanted a car to fall out of the sky, at like you just had to drop feet. a car <laughs> yeah. out of the sky. There was there's no other way around, and it. people didn't care. The, the yeah. FAA
1: is like, "Well, just do it twice. We'll give you a certificate, and then you can do it for and
0: real." Typical Landis, like when he whittled down that script. That's the party cap. He, he goes, "Well, no, we're going to have the car fall out of the yeah. sky." Um, the
1: uh, one or two other things there's a the, uh, when they get when they start driving around and they put the air raid horn on. Blake and I used to have a joke back in the day where we would be saying stuff in the car while we were driving, and, and, the, and our what? joke was, "I know what the
0: line is. I know what it is." you two girls
1: <laughs> <laughs> but we would we would joke we'd be saying stuff and we forget we'd have the airway to horn yeah, on because so we, sometimes
2: we'd be talking about somebody and then they would look over uh, in, like and walking down the street and we're in a car oh, with the windows oh, yeah. up <laughs> <Yeah>. and <laughs> they would see us and we'd so say like hey look at that guy over there and he would look over at us we're like did he hear us so i always like there was always scripts that i had ideas for some of them i even wrote drafts for like there was comedies always this thing where like they'd be trying to campaign or something and then the, you would leave the air horn on by mistake. The and so. mic on so they, people would hear you. You know,
1: So that was our running gag that we have the thing on. We're like, look at the- you know the legs on that broad, and she'd turn around. Whenever uh, I'm d-
0: promoting anything like like uh, with the band or for Daily Grindhouse or anything, I always like. I just think you got to put the word in the street like the Blues Brothers. Like, yeah, right? I wish I could to Just put well, the air horn on top. That of the goes car, back you know? to
1: last week's episode we talk about in, in in the Invasion of the Body Snatchers podcast, where a good way to get people is get to the kids. If you turn the kids, and Those that's cab that does do the announcing.
0: You know? Like the one, there's this one kid who's just you can. Like, I don't know whatever happened to him, but you can tell he's just a ham, <laughs> yeah, he's, and he just... One night, one night only. The fat, you know, he's so good. Like yep. again, another one of those great, great little moments. Like the way my heart breaks for the gentleman in a caterpillar. And hat then we have um,
1: they at the end of the movie when they're trying to get to the to the venue and they they park the car and they're going through the sewers. They say night trains. a mean, has night a mean, train's a mean line. Yeah, Blake and I have a story where we were shooting at, uh, in film school at a friend's house one night. And we were done doing, like, 12 hours of filming. We were exhausted. It was and like a long fr- day. You know, you know the story I'm talking about? And this kid's like, hey, you know, a couple of my local friends are coming over that he grew up with. We're going to drink a little bit. He
2: had a house in White Plains, and quick, quick, which is quick, up quick in story, Westchester. Quick story. My <laughs> ass. There's no such thing
0: as a quick story yeah. on this show. But, like,
2: the, out front of his house, next to his driveway, standing in the street, was, like, the hangout. You know how, like, you might have a hangout, which is, like, outside of the 7-Eleven? Okay. Or the gas station, right? Yeah. And for some reason, your friends, you all accumulate there, right? It's and just you a spot. Sm- smoke cigarettes or whatever, <laughs> drink a Slurpee, and yeah, look at and each they, other's engines just, in the car. And you just <laughs> stand there and you hang out. His the hangout for him and his friends was in the street right out front of his house. Yeah, like like
1: five feet out off his driveway in the street, on the residential street. So and they they'd came over to stand
2: out there and like smoke cigarettes. And, and, and they man. would bring
1: over Mad Dog Twenty Twenty. They oh, bring yeah. train They bring Ripple over. So this the night, classic Boone's Firm. Maybe. So this <laughs> night they come over and they brought night train with us. So me, him, me and Blake are drinking night train out of the After of like a 14-hour you know, film shoot. And we, we got hammered so quick. <laughs> and then all of a sudden we're like, yeah, we got to go to bed. And we went upstairs and then I think I got dizzy and I thought I was going to, th- because we went to his guest room. He had like twin beds in the guest room. So Blake took one, I took the other. I think you fell asleep quickly. I like I like, I had
2: never I had never been more tired in my entire <laughs> life. I remember like Dion pointed drink. out like th- I was joking. I didn't even realize it but I was like uh, I was like moaning. Mm. Yeah. And I didn't even know it. And Dion started laughing. I know that, that kind of even... exhaustion. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like I didn't even know I was doing it and then like Next thing I know, it was morning. Yeah. Like, I was like, we were talking. I probably fell asleep mid And we had the light on. We
1: left the light on. We woke up, and, <laughs> you know, and then we had such a mean <laughs> hangover. <laughs> <How close. laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> the, the we didn't even get it, because the bed had maybe was all <laughs>
0: dusty and stuff. No one's ever used it. One of my favorite lines that I still use whenever, because I've played in bands where I've been with members who maybe had a little too much to uh, consume mass quantities before a show, and I would... You better get bright, kid. You got a show to do. You (laughs) know, it's it's a
1: a perfect line. And then also the 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 rapid drug use in this movie. Evidently, they had it in the budget. (laughs) Yes, I've read about that. that Is again, it's of the era, and that was something else that. Uh, a precursor to our Twilight Zone when we get to it is that that's one of the things they brought up in the Twilight Zone uh, after the accident it was like well was the drug use as rapid on and luckily Landis was able to defend himself saying no I was against drug use even on the Blues Brothers film and there's documented cases where I confronted Belushi I tried to throw his coke out and he was crying and we got into fights and you know so he was able to defend Belushi, himself on that thing but it's just drugs. you know they all evidently everybody, yeah, everybody on the set like they could procure your I mean just think about
0: well Katie uh, um, Chevy Chase is fully admitted to not remembering shooting Caddyshack. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's,
2: it's insane that these, you know... Well, there's a story where they got in a fight. Landis threw away Delushi's Coke. Yeah. They like, got in a big fight outside of, like, Universal Studios lot. And then, Delushi just walks to the corner, puts his thumb out, a car's driving by, does a U-turn, stops, convertible... Blushy gets in the car. And yeah, and drive. he goes, take
1: me to Blah Blah. And he goes, awesome. Oh. And he just drives away. <laughs> and, and Landis is like, at the time it was upsetting, but I, now I can see the comedy. And, the, and he just puts his hand out and they're arguing and on, the car the, stops, on the street. Picks him up, you know, right? And then
2: there's another story where you know they're, they're shooting they're sh- and he, he wanders away.
1: It's at night, he wanders away. They don't know where Blushy went. You know, And this is why a lot of this movie hey, went yeah. such over budget because he would miss his calls. He'd sleep through it because he was partying. They went to a neighborhood. They knocked on
2: a door. And, and they're like, "Where oh, is
0: there a scene that like, they aren't in it, Belushi and Akron. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just about ev- they're in together. Mo-
2: like ninety eight percent of the
0: and time.
1: And in, in this instance, they knock on this guy's door, and he's like, "You're looking for John Belushi?"
0: <laughs> and he's like, "Yeah." He's
1: like, "He's on the couch." He came in, he raided the guy's fridge, and he took a nap on the couch. And the he's guy, like, like, he, let, he you know,
2: said, apparently, he opened, the guy opened the door. He says, "You know who I am?" Yeah, he's I'm like, hungry. He's like, "Yeah," and he comes, walks in, eats all his food out of his refrigerator, then cries on, the on the couch. My so s- it's like this my era. My sister
0: was born on the same day Belushi passed away. Yeah, yeah, same. Uh, I mean, same year, and, everything. and it's it's
2: you know it's
1: profound because I, I I'm, we've run out of time, but I was just thinking like, <laughs> can you imagine that? Eric Ackroyd goes to write Ghostbusters, and can you imagine an, an uh, a world the if, alternate universe? Yeah, if he didn't uh, OD and die tragically, we would have had him. But he would have been Venkman. Uh Who knows if if down the line if they'd made the... There's a you know. Ackerwood has a big affinity for for uh, Dragnet and Jack Webb, and there's a scene in this where he's talking to the woman like you know the That'd borders. Be a good movie
0: for you guys yeah, to do for an episode with Tom so. Hanks,
1: and you know. I remember seeing but he's that like, remember? Movies. He's like, Mister Man. He's like, you know, yeah, yeah. you're asking questions. Are you guys the police? <laughs> no, we're musicians, sir. You know, but T- it's like Is it
0: Toronto <laughs> Tarantino. <laughs> oh
1: yeah, because it's yeah they don't know a, a, um, Italian, but it's like would would have would Belushi have played the Tom Hanks part in Dragnet in '86? I, you know, there's so many so, what
2: ifs. So many good scenes we get the, the women. The women how much of oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <That's> the <thing. laughs> like, little girl. How much of really the little girl This is girl? one of
0: those movies that it feels like it's so ingrained in popular culture that you say this stuff. <laughs> yeah, we, yeah, we don't have to that. And you know don't realize that you s- it's front of blues brothers. Yeah, Major Dad, like um and I always wondered that like when the Blues brothers threaten uh what was who is who was who was the uh trumpet player? Mad Petrollo. <laughs> he um when they threaten to eat there every day at a week and like the soup's ten dollars for crazy. Like, how are these guys going to afford? Why doesn't he just call the cops? That's, that's what I don't yeah, understand. <laughs> like, how? Like,
2: it's like okay. Well, we'll just get cool, you cool.
0: Know? No mayor Daly does not die in here anymore. Also, <laughs> he's, he's dead.
2: dead. He's dead. <laughs> also, funny thing about the soundtrack. Apparently, if you listen to the s- if you listen to the music, it's a four piece horn section, but there's only three
0: horns. Yeah, the yeah. Mm, um, <laughs> man, that's going way down the alley. And, right? and
1: also, <gasps> the, uh, the touch on the drug use. It's since let's it was. Get back to the drum. Let's get back to the drum. It was such of the era for people who used to record musicians at the time. You have the audio console, the boards that you'd mix it on. There are consoles that had built in a mirror, just on, and it's like there's no other purpose for the yeah. audio board except because people were doing below off these old consoles. So, like, I think there's a. It's a documentary the Foo Fighters guy did about sound. Oh, uh, he, uh, sound sound, City? sound Studio C- City, Studio City, maybe or Sound City or whatever. But they, I think they may even bring that up in there. They talk about that this little mirror. It's like there's no point on these old consoles except because <laughs> they're doing below where yeah. there's, you know, they're they're taking the consoles apart. They're finding like chicken wing bones what and it, all you know all this kind of stuff. I um, you know,
0: I think Bill Hicks said if you you know if you believe in this say no to drugs stuff, go home. Throw away all your records right now. You know, it's just and it's (laughs)
1: and to come around on this, it's so profound. This this ushered in an era, reintroducing an entire genre of music that had fallen by the wayside to a new generation. You know,
2: and had a resurgence of all these artists. I mean, had we had we not had James Brown in this movie, we might not have had Living in America (laughs)
1: America. (laughs) in Rocky (laughs) Pool. Yeah, or or you know, uh, Brother Ray and all these Aretha. You know, it's just a
0: and uh, man Spielberg. He was young once huh
1: yeah yeah, yeah. And it's another cameo there because then isn't landis in 1941 too well,
0: probably I love John Landis I want to talk just briefly like Who he's also one of my is favorite. a trooper
1: in in the mall scene I think they show him
0: yes he, uh, I think they break his watch yeah. somebody says that you broke my watch after every car crash my watch yeah um Landis is one of my favorite directors that, yeah. I mean I don't know what he's done politics recently, aside right? yeah yeah but he I love when he turns up in a documentary that boy will talk to anybody about anything. Yeah. He's still so
2: excited. I always think it's so weird when he pops up in all these horror because he's a horror official. Right? No, no. yeah. well, I mean, I mean, yeah, he did American Werewolf in London. I, mean, I guess and, and I guess g- innocent
0: blood. Well, <laughs> he did. Then
1: he did The Twilight. But then he then he did the thriller, Michael Jackson thriller. So it's but like he's always like get the go
2: to.
0: Yeah, because he'll
1: do it. Like that's. What yeah, and he's got a he's got an encyclopedia kind of knowledge. I mean, he's we he's very smart. At a
2: casino in Connecticut,
1: we saw him at Mohegan Sun. He was behind us, and we were looking for something to eat. And we just hand hand saw and talk Tony. Ear off we just saw Tony Bennett the Sunday. I think when we spent it might this have been a matinee show. Blake and I went to. We were the youngest people in the crowd. We just saw Tony Bennett. <laughs> brought, brought the brought the average age of the place down to seventy two. <laughs> yeah, and then afterward, we were looking for some place to eat, and then we are looking at I was this like, oh.
3: I I
2: was like, behind us. You know, I was looking you know, and
1: I over, it was fucking John
2: Lando.
1: He was looking over our shoulder at the menu, and then he walked away before we ever had anything to say to uh, him. Yeah, I you never talk to anybody, but
2: it was like I what do. A weird, I'm always like, "It's a good day to you, sir." What a weird person to see in a like yeah. northern Connecticut <laughs> yeah just just there I mean, that's, you maybe know. that's where he lives I
1: mean. you know I have a story too about uh, Dan Aykroyd and James Belushi which I can't say it's not podcast <laughs> <laughs> I met them we'll in talk. 2003 and it's not something I can say because it wasn't a very uh Good time But then I met Dan Ackroyd again A couple years ago Because he was Selling his um, uh,
0: Crystal head vodka Yeah and he was
1: Very nice And I have a Connection with him th- Through a family Friend and he was Very polite so it Made up for everything From this 2003 <laughs> Incident which is Hilarious My sister used hilarious. to Work at the
0: Museum of Science And Industry in Chicago and uh, she Gave him a tour Of the U-boat That he was Very nice He was there With his daughter yeah.
1: so. I mean he's had, That's the thing Is he if You take th- Everything aside He's a genius. I mean, he was going to school for what we said—psychology, crime, pathology, whatever All these, you know, all these crazy majors. And then, I mean, his family worked in government in Canada, Canada, Canada. Canada, Canada. 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 and then afterward, he doesn't do, even do that. He just goes into acting, and, and then that, So that's why he has all this knowledge of the blues, he's, or you know, this or that. You know, he's writing these things, and so. and Maybe he, Dan
0: Aykroyd is so cool,
1: and like, he's, he's also a guy who has made a living like Schwarzenegger did prior to acting in real estate. Ackroyd always had his hand in business. If you own these clubs now with his vodka, whatever the selling point of that, they make it in Russia and they distill it over crystals a different way. But it's like the top-selling vodka in the world now, or in Russia. It's got some sort of—he's really bottle. turned it around, yeah. yeah. And having that knit skull thing, it's like it's act—it's done very a accurate, way because yeah. uh,
0: the paranormal thing.
1: Yeah, yeah, he has a big affinity to UFOs and stuff, which I have a connection with him there. It's—it's—it's uh, <laughs> it's, it's funny. It's just—it's and he's making money. It's a brilliant way. He's not just a washed-up or has been actor who cameos once in a while, like in Temple of Doom or something, you know. <laughs> yeah, Temple of or Doom Twilight cameo always you know, the uh, movie. I love it. I love it. Yeah. Oh, because he's not even in a close-up in. Twilight Oh I uh Temple of Doom, so he you don't even
0: notice it. He him. delivers. He talks in this weird accent. Yeah, and because his
1: um, John Landis' wife at the time is the costume designer on this movie. She ends up doing the costume designing on Temple of Doom, and that's how they, you know, they got him or whatever. But if this is a classic movie. We brought you classic Chicago we film. We had your mom. The best Chicago film of all time. I feel really bad that you had your mom wait outside. <laughs> all, she couldn't come in and <laughs> oh, talk she's to gonna my be, mom. She could
0: be pissed, but she's always pissed.
1: So. Yeah, so she's just <laughs> hanging out, chain smoking <laughs> in the uh, in the uh, Ozmobile. Um, a,
0: a, a classic Chicago movie. The Best Chicago movie of all time. I don't think there's any. Some people might throw Ferris Bueller's yeah. over there. That's like the Navy Pier of Chicago movies. Anybody Chicago? Touchables is top five for me. Uh, I just was tweeting about it this morning. The fugitive? Fugitive's up there running scared. Running scared. Which is a yeah. underappreciated. But one thing that gets right is that it's set in the winter. Yeah. Because so much of Chicago is cool, oh. the winter. <laughs> yeah. And um, you know, How
1: about Dark Knight? Do people do oh like, yeah fake Gotham? Oh yeah, oh yeah. That's I
0: mean, I it's still it's one not, of them. not yeah. all of it, but Midnight. Run. I was gonna say Midnight Run. It's, Midnight yeah, Run. A bunch yeah. of Midnight Run but, there. I mean, Blues Brothers is quintessential. plane strains and automobiles. I think, yeah, because it and it's such a great tour guide of the city in that era, and it's one of the reasons why Blues Brothers 2000, I think, one of the many reasons why it doesn't work is that they don't have one, I mean, aside from Belushi, one of the best characters in the movie, Chicago.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's,
0: that's hard. When you have the the city be such a iconic
1: character highlight, it, you need, it's a necessity. So, Sweet home Chicago. Uh, Michael, thank you for coming over. Oh, thank you for having Magic me. Magic Sam. You know, uh, I wish, see, this would be the part where you pull out your guitars <laughs> yeah,
3: and, and you start... Us
1: out. And I start singing like, she got the Katie. <laughs> uh, yeah, you play us out. So um, you can catch us on, uh, let's see. Saturday Movie Sleepers. We're on Facebook. We're on Instagram. We're We're also
2: now on clnsmedia.com.
1: Yes, you can see us on clnsmedia.com. Go check us out on their website. If you go to the tabs for Lifestyles or Podcasts, you could see us under that. Check us out at (laughs) clnsmedia.com. We're also on
0: clnsmedia.com.
2: iTunes and
0: Stitcher. We're on Instagram. We're on Facebook. We're on Twitter. Mike? I'm all over social media. It's usually under... I'm on Twitter, at Mike Vanderbilt. Uh, you can find my writing over at Daily Grindhouse or at the AV Club or at Fandor or Consequence of Sound. Um, Twitter's we a good way to get a hold of me. We
1: talk about you all the time. Like you, have, you have your hands in everything.
2: It's so <laughs> much. You, like can, it's you,
0: can, <laughs> you can find me at the Rock Island Public House in Blue Island, Illinois. This which is, is m- the
2: one episode where we didn't need to say... Yeah, we're gonna get an email from Mike correcting us. Yeah. Ah, come on! Dude. <laughs> what do we do? We we uh, there's a there's a, a recent episode, maybe Star Trek six, where we
1: couldn't think of it. And we're like Mike, we're talking to the future. We're like, tweet us now the answer. I forget what
0: it was for. Um, find me at the Rock Island Public House or Horse Thief Hollow or the major chain restaurant that I work at in uh in chi- in uh, Chicago uh, and the surrounding suburbs. I don't know where you get the time.
1: You're always doing something.
0: Oh man, I don't know either. You know what? I'd rather I'd rather be exhausted and broke or exhausted and bored. That's the True. Photos. That's good. Good way um, to look at I it. I think that's and check me out. Modern day rippers. You know my punk band that I play with. And uh, thank you for having. It. I really. This is really a big deal for me because I really do love this. I show. told you. I, I
1: love your onesie. It's amazing. <laughs> you know, it's th- impressive.
0: It's uh. Yeah. It's the one. It's the same one that uh, Sean Connery wore in uh, Thunderball. <laughs> that's a, a nice, th- heri- <laughs> a nice <laughs> hairy claw.
2: Yeah. Maybe someday we'll. Uh, maybe this will spawn us to pull out and an one more episode of. Twenty One Pod Street. Yes, I know. Uh, there's some, right. Tell, some tell there. us on yeah. Twitter. Tell <laughs> us. <laughs>
0: <laughs> tell us on Twitter how much you want to hear Jay Blake and I discuss uh, uh, Twenty One Jump Street in podcast form. And
2: of course, I uh, it's at Score to Death for me and all social media platforms. Score And of course, the book is Score to Death: Conversations with Some of Horror's Grace Composers. And there is now Score to Death
0: the podcast. Oh man, the sun's
2: coming up, huh, guys? Yeah, oh, I it's hate when getting. That
1: yeah, we're so we're so um. Trying to crack out the fruity pebbles. Oh yeah, it's like we get drunk and you sober up, and it's like, oh, Jesus. Do we start drinking again or we just go to sleep?
0: A little hair of do- a dog always yeah, helps.
1: Yeah, and we need to hydrate, too. <laughs> um, but thank you very much for listening. We'll be back in another two weeks. Michael, thank you for coming over. Oh, my pleasure. Please thank your mom. I will. And uh, we'll probably have you back for a future episode, uh, you know,
0: Anytime. sooner than
1: later. Anytime. So uh, we'll see you. Two- we got some stuff coming up in a couple weeks, which will be very fun. We hope you like what you- you've been listening to, and we'll see you soon. Later.